Oshida. Together by live simulation via the internet. Scott Gardner and Chris Honeywell. I don't know. Fly casual. Hello and welcome to Two True Freaks. This is the second episode of our Return of the Jedi Month podcasts. I am Chris Honeywell and I am here with my co-host Scott Gardner. Hello. And a whole slew of Return of the Jedi fans. I'm assuming they're all fans. I know a lot of them are fans. I'm, there may be a secret hater amongst a bunch or a mole <laughs> of some sort, but I don't know. But we've got a, just a roster. Do you know any other words for what we got here? Gaggle. Uh, gaggle, yeah, yeah that's a good gaggle as well. Some, gaggle. Somebody yeah. is, ha, has to have come up with what... A flock you know, of uh, freaking uh, Freuds. What what a bunch of nerds are, you know. There's Nerd gotta hurts. be. <laughs> I tend Sausage to think it's fest. like a reek. Yeah, a reek of nerds. <laughs> That's, so <wrong. laughs> That's perfect. But anyway, so now to <laughs> allow me to introduce our our resident reek. <laughs> um. Oh God! Why? Why I put him on the top of the list? But we've got the irredeemable Shag. Hello, everyone. I'm here to reek. <laughs> <laughs> and reek you will, sir. I am internet famous, ladies and gentlemen. Let oh. me tell you. Um, you can find me most often at FirestormFan.com. It is a blog for DC's Nuclear Men, and uh, you can also find that. On Twitter, uh, Firestorm Fan. You can find it on Facebook as uh, there's a page for Firestorm Fan. And also, brand new spanking podcast. I finally followed these schmucks into the podcasting realm. And I'm working with the, with uh, Rob Kelly from the Aquaman Shrine. And the podcast is called The Fire and Water Podcast. You can find that on iTunes. And I'm in a whole bunch of other places. We have Mr. Sean Foster's next. Hey, hi, hey, how's everybody doing? Uh, glad to be back after the Wonder Woman Captain America thing. I don't really have podcasts, but I mean, happy to be here. Thanks. Uh, I guess I could pimp the fact that hopefully by the end of the month, I'm going to be published as a role-playing game author. Uh, awesome. That's worth for, pimping. Yeah. For a company called Miskatonic River Press uh, at MiskatonicRiverPress.com. Uh, it's a scenario set in ancient Rome involving tentacle monsters and Romans going mad. <laughs> Excellent. All right, next on the list, we got the D-Man. Hey, guys, what's up? Not much. The, Not much. the lovely dulcet tones. <laughs> now, I know you, you've you got a podcaster. Or, I, I do, or and, you, and you and Scott have both been on it. Uh, yes, we have. Uh, 
I'm one, one half of the Definitive Geek podcast, uh, definitivegeek.com. Uh, myself and my co-host Peregrine uh, talk a variety of topics each week. Uh, last week we did a one on conspiracy theories and hot women of the 70s. So I know that really blends well together. So uh, we have a lot of fun with that. But uh, no, it's nice to be back with talking to you guys for sure. All right, I'm going to double up here because I think of these two as the ugly, monstrous, like, monster balls in the... Oh, that's coming off completely wrong. (laughs) Two other peas in our horror pod from... That's that's an Invasion of the Body Snatchers reference, which I'm sure one day we'll cover. And our vault of startling monster horror tales of terror, I get to do some pimping, too. Uh Uh-oh, somebody went kablooey. As long as it's not the hair metal hero or Luke Jack and Eddie. Uh, I'm here. And I am here too. Hi guys. Hey, hey Chris. How's it going, Hi. hero? How's it how you doing, Padre? I'm I'm doing alright. Doing alright. What there, Padre? Yeah, yeah, got it. I got it. Got a little wood going right now. Well, like, like, Padre language. <laughs> a little mahogany. Oh. <laughs> Turn of the Jedi. Ready. I did a little pimping, but I know Luke, you got you got you got something to pimp. Yeah, um I got a couple of things. Um first off, um if you listen to Tales of the Just Society of America, you know that I am a Hawkman enthusiast, much to my eternal torment. And uh, you can follow my Hawkman blog at beingcarterhall.blogspot.com. I've also got a more uh, general um, comic book and other nerd crap blog, which is eljaconesbunker.blogspot.com. I also have my own podcast, which is Earth Destruction Directive, which is found at, wait for it, earthdestructiondirective.blogspot.com where we talk about uh, Godzilla, Rodan, Mothra, King Ghidorah, Gamera, and any other uh, Japanese or otherwise giant monster that you can think of and even some you probably couldn't. So, Come check it out if you like uh, Cities Getting Smashed. Always love Cities Getting Smashed and just a little more pimping. I know that Luke and the Hero and myself are all hard at work at our Halloween Horror Tales yeah. Yep. We'll be telling on the vault of startling monster horror tales of terror. Mm-hmm. And it's going to be even uglier this year, I have a feeling. Oh, yeah. That one last year was really good, though. And and thanks, Luke, for getting me uh, back into Lovecraft. Oh, no. Very... Lovecraft. It, it was just real quick aside. It was funny because we started doing the show in like August. And then all of a sudden uh-huh. it was Halloween. I'm like, oh, we should do a Halloween special. We should do a special <laughs> episode after two episodes. So. Yeah, and it was it was actually the hair metal hero who who start he 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 sort of like, you know, sort of showed Luke and I up by actually writing his own story. So this year, which was also good. Yes. Oh, thank yes. you. Yes, I actually I thought it was the highlight of the the, the show. So that means this year it's going to get ugly. Uh oh! Now I have to outdo myself. <laughs> uh, I think I, th- I think what I've got in store will uh, make a few people chuckle. <laughs> so. so yeah, mine make might make them throw up in their mouth a little bit. Ooh. <laughs> I, I I have nothing to pimp. You can find me on the forums at forumforgeeks.com along with all these lovely gentlemen here and La- uh, ladies. You know what the hair metal heroes got to pimp. <laughs> well, I'll I, gotta say. I will pimp myself out. I'm a big man. There's lots to love. I need several women at the same hair, time. He will take one one or two or three for the team if if need be. Yes. Moving on, live from New York City, we've got Steve Rogers. Hello. Also, of a, a, a first time. This is is this the first? Were you on one of no. our Skype summits too? No. Or is this your first, first time, time on? First time caller, long time listener. 
Welcome, Steve. Hello. Best advice for first time two true freaks callers, don't fall asleep. <laughs> have the Mountain Dew by no, have the Mountain Dew by your side. Well I'm not my O'Malley, so <laughs> yeah, because Bailey's the only one who's ever fallen asleep on a podcast. I fell asleep too, man, on my own oh. show. I can't believe you people. That's ridiculous. <laughs> oh, boy. It's, oh. Mm. I have some pippin' to do. Well, put more on for me now about the Batman Unimet. Um, I contribute some, um, yeah, I run, yeah, I, a weekly rundown of the, you know, um, you know, comments that are coming out on EC's application for the iPad and whatnot, comment.com. And also, I'm going to be restarting my New York Met blog, um, next week. It's at Met Musings. Dot blogspot.com. Any, anyone out there who's a fan of the New York Mets and baseball can find me there. And I would be neglectful if I did not mention that Steve Rogers is the person who saves Scott and I so much embarrassment by actually yes. compiling a list <laughs> of all the Star Trek episodes that, that we've done. so handy. It's, yeah, it would be really, really appreciated that. It, all right, Michael Bailey. What do you do, baby? Uh, what? <laughs> How you doing? Um, I'm just a little disappointed because I thought <laughs> in the email, I guess there was something kind of screwed up. I thought we were talking about Star Trek Six tonight, not Star Wars Episode Six. So I went over to the Two True Freak site and I clicked on the Amazon link Ooh. because when you do that, you actually give money to the show. How and smart I actually. Of you. I actually ordered the box set of all 10 films, the two disc sets. Got it for a song, by the way. So uh, that is my pimpage for using the Amazon link, folks, because when you support Amazon through Two True Freaks, you actually support Two True Freaks. Nice. Okay, guys, where's my money? You guys are like, yeah, exactly. Five bucks through PayPal for that one, man. The uh, Well, I, I, I do a lot, so everyone... You know, get yourself comfy. Um, well, to do to do with two true freaks, uh, I am part of Comics Monthly Monday here. They uh, Scott and Chris were nice enough to ask me to do that back late last year. We're coming up on the year mark, guys. Um, oh, yeah, I know. Uh, I also do Tales of the Justice Society of America with Scott. Uh, we are hip deep into All Star Squadron right now. We're about to hit. Uh, annual number two, so Infinity Incorporated is not too far out into our future. Mm-mm. And uh, going even further, Crisis on Infinite Earths, folks. But I also <laughs> uh, co-host from Crisis to Crisis, a Superman podcast with Jeffrey Taylor. There's views from the long box when I get to it. There is Bailey's Batman podcast, which has been a casualty of my work situation. Uh not going to get an episode out this week because tomorrow I got to work 16 hours. Yay. Um, and there is the Spider-Man Crawl Space. There is Radio KAL Live, which is something I'm doing with the Superman homepage. We have a live radio show every 
Monday night slash Tuesday morning at 1230. So you can call in and talk about Superman Live with Steve Eunice and I and eventually other members of the Superman homepage staff. And you can listen to it at the site as well. So lots of stuff going on. Uh, We've got Mr. Josh Baker. Hey, everybody. Hello, sir. It's good to be back. Awesome. Yes, it's, it's been a while since we've had you on. The trivia contest, yeah. 125. The contest of champions. Holy crap, has it been that long? Yeah. And yeah. Indiana Jones. God damn, damn dude, right, I, Mike. I apologize. <laughs> Indiana Jones was even before that, I think. Yeah. We're yep. sorry. Oh, yeah, no, we are fine. sorry. I, just, <laughs> I mean, it was... It's partially my fault. Most of it goes to you, but it's partially my fault. <laughs> Do you have anything you want to pimp? You want to just tell us a little, something a little bit about yourself that the audience might find uh, scintillating? I'm not wearing any pants. Who awesome. is? I was just going to say. <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't really... No, I don't have anything to pimp. I was hoping that you were going to say, Do you have anything to plug? And I'd say, Yeah, Slave Leia. Oh well, not if I, I get there first, Chief. It's a foot race. All right, but last but not least, we've got another first timer on the show, Mr. Jonathan Kreitz. Hey guys, thanks for having me on. Hey, thanks for uh, coming on. It's a yeah. pleasure. It's it's hard to you know because you I mean you've been on the on the forum for a while and and you're pretty active on the forum. So after a while, I forget. Who I've talked to with my mouth and who I've talked to with a keyboard. Yeah, I uh, I think I first saw you all over on the comic forums back in the day, but never really listened to your show. And then uh, when the Half Hour Wasted guys, you know, started Forum for Geeks, I signed up and somehow started listening to y'all's show and the rest is history. And uh, I ended up listening to Bailey on, uh, what is it, what's the Superman show again? From Crisis to Crisis? Yeah, from Crisis to Crisis. I listen to that. Earth oh, Destruction you. Directive with Luke. It's it's like a disease. <laughs> it you is. Quit. It's a virus. It's the contagion. Once, you listen, once you've podcasted with somebody, you've then podcasted with everyone they've podcasted. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and that's a lot. And once Michael Bailey's in the mix, you're the biggest slut of all, Bailey. Uh, yeah, I am the Kevin Bacon of the podcasting community. So. <laughs> oh, Lord. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, guess what? Return of the Jedi. Yes. That's what we're to talk about. I totally thought we were doing the Christmas special. I I gotta go. I'm on the wrong thing. Yep. Toss away your notes, Shag. Well, guess what, Shag? I was just going to say, now that all the intros are done, well, thanks for joining us, folks. Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Dun, 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 dun. Everybody. (laughs) All right. So, I well, we're go we're, since we're going round robin, I think the first thing we're going to cover is everybody's Return of the Jedi origin story, you know, where you first saw it and, you know, your first first impressions of it. So, I'm going to whip through this list same way I did before. So, once again, we start with Shag. Sorry, guys. Just remember, just Shag, there's other people on the show, man. Really? I hadn't even noticed. I've just been reading a book. 
Um, <laughs> That's what I figured. <laughs> I'll keep it tapping brief. Oh, I I feet. Fell asleep again, what a prick. Why do we keep having this he's, guy back? He's just tapping his feet, waiting to hear his name it's, said, and then like, what? Hey, okay. It's in the friggin' name. I'm irredeemable. You have no excuses. You knew what you were getting into the moment you read my name. Um, Return of the Jedi. It's the one with the little Wookiees, right? Yeah, Shag. Yeah, okay. Sure I saw that uh, fifth grade, and it was actually a school field trip. I don't remember whether Ooh. my parents had to chip in money for it or not, but they actually bust the entire fifth grade across town to a cinema to see Return of the Jedi. The educational value, I can't quite put my finger on it, other than we all forever knew the term rebel scum. Uh but it was really amazing to see it with you know my entire class, and the, the the assignment when we got back was we had to draw a picture of our favorite part. So I drew the emperor frying the shit out of Luke. I thought you were gonna say Leia's butt or you know or you know her bikini or something. I think I was probably too uh, nervous to admit that at the time. Uh... But but that that is actually my origin story for Return of the Jedi. I saw it before anyone else in my family because of the school trip. That's an the only school trip I remember once there was a school trip to see a movie that I didn't go to for some reason and the movie they saw was Sasquatch. And it I don't even, I don't even, rem I don't even remember it. that one. I remember the Bionic Man episodes with Sasquatch. Yeah, this was a this was like one of those sun classic pictures. <laughs> but there you moving go. Moving on, Sasquatch has nothing to do with Unless it, unless Ewoks are somehow related to Sasquatch in some sort of panspermia thing, um, Sean Foster, what's your first uh, first uh, well, taste of the Return of the Jedi? Uh, yeah, well, I was like, I think I was about five or six years old. Uh, my mother was a nurse working during the day, so she had some friends babysitting us and a bunch of other kids. And they said, let's take all the kids, all six or seven of them, let's go over to the local movie theater at the Dirt Malls from Mall Rats type of uh, movie theater and all go see Return of the Jedi. And it was awesome. I'm six years old, Ewoks, explosions, stormtroopers dying, emperors frying, you know, everything like that. I get home. I'm all, you know, popped up on sugar and candy and everything. My mother comes home and goes, oh, I got to work early. I'm going to take you to see Return of the Jedi. So, being a smart kid, I kept my mouth shut. Didn't mm -hmm. say I'd seen it already. <laughs> I to see it a second time. So I got That's to see awesome. it twice in open, the opening uh, weekend. So it was my, my it was it, you know, it's the first Star Wars movie I remember seeing in theaters. I was, I've been told I was taken to uh, Empire as like a really small, like two-year-old, but I really don't remember that, and I wasn't born yet when, uh, when New Hope Star came. Wars. Yeah, and I still regret Scott Gardner saying you can't be a Star Wars fan if you haven't seen them all in the theaters. I remember that, Scott. I remember that. I was hurt. <laughs> I remember. <laughs> yes. but, don't uh, worry. No, I mean... You'll be no, able to see I, I, all in 3D soon. Don't worry. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Damn you, George. Damn you, George. Leave it alone. Oh, I'm Leave paying it alone. to see it. At well, least yeah. the first one. We'll yeah. see. Yeah, but uh, no, that's my star. I mean, that was my first Star Wars movie. It was the one that stuck with me for the longest until, you know, years later I saw them special editionized the first time around. But, yeah, I got to see it twice in the first day, which was awesome. That is that is awesome. <laughs> and it's very it's very rare that someone that young does know how to – I wouldn't have been able to keep my mouth shut. No. I, I still can't keep my mouth shut, so. 
No, there I you just, go. I, you know, it was like my my parents, my mother and my father were like they were like Star Wars fans up the wazoo. They had it running on HBO all the time, but so that's why you know she took us to see it. So I'll be quiet now, so someone else can tell their story. <laughs> well, D D Man, you're next. You're in Canada, right? Yes, I am. So you didn't get to see Return of the Jedi till what, like 1993 or something like that? <laughs> Bite me. Bite me. We we get the release the same same time you guys do. No. <laughs> uh, no, it was it was 83. Um, I can't remember who I saw it with. I know I saw it in the theater. But for the life of me, I can't think of who, who I saw it with. But my most vivid memory of it was I, I had always had this idea where real time passed between the two movies so there was actually like two years of searching for han from from return from empire strikes back to return of the jedi so i i remember feeling it's like man they've been searching for him for two or three friggin years and and felt really bad that they'd waited so long but then because and which is a weird thing because it it puts more gravitas in the uh i guess seeing it you know put in that in that scene but then when you go back and watch them back to back it's like oh like you know it's been a couple months but uh you know there's that whole perception of, of time sort of thing with that but yeah no. i sort of i i sort of remember feeling the same way that it, that and feeling like that real time had passed mm. but like star wars was what maybe like 48 hours all that happened in like a short period of time i think and Empire stretched out a little bit. So, yeah, I, it, 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 I remember thinking it took them three years to dress up and get to tattooing and figure out a plan where it's like, okay, we'll go in in disguise. Mm. Well, yeah, well, I think there was a longer gap you know, between Star Wars and Empire Strikes Back, you know, time-wise for, you know, yeah. all the things happens. But, but uh, yeah, Empire Strikes Back and, and Return of Jedi felt like it was a, it was a long time. For her to be searching for them, be searching for him because they know where he was. They he knew they knew where he was. He was going to Jabba's palace, right? So and they knew where Jabba's palace was because I mean Luke was from there, right? But but uh, no, that was my uh, first uh, recollection of Return of the Jedi for sure. So now was that perception of all that time passing? Was that because that's how much time passed in the real world, or was that based on you reading the comics at the time, or something like that, or what? No, what? That, that was that was real real world world time. Like just, it just you. happened to be two or three years between the two movies, and and I don't think I even read the uh, the Star Wars comic books back in the day. I mean, I I, re I read the the uh, movie adaptations, but I was more into Star Trek as far as far as books go. So, cool. Reading all the DC Star Trek books and whatnot. So, hair metal hero. Oh boy, let's go back in time. to a glorious day when everybody had cable and if you didn't have cable your dad knew somebody that had cable and taped Star Wars off HBO for you because you were only you know four years old when uh, Return of the Jedi came out uh, so I grew up watching Return of the Jedi and the other Star Wars films on uh, crappy VHS quality dubs off HBO and uh, I had no problem with it. No, it still works, yeah. Oh, absolutely. They're the only copies that I uh, I don't have anymore. And I kind of wish I did just for nostalgia value. But, uh, man, I beat those tapes to shit. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm a little... I, yeah, I was born in 79, so um, I didn't get to see any of them in the theater, Scott. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I was a 80s kid that saw them off uh, crappy dubs. 
There you go. That's my first memory of it. Crappy dubs. All crappy, right. crappy dubs. And now we come to Luke Giaconetti, who I, you that know. That sounds I, like a country singer, by the way, Crappy Dubs. Crappy Dubs. <laughs> crappy Dubs of the Skanky Bottom Gang. <laughs> Woo-wee, boys, we're about to kick it crappy. I just I'm just picturing like a jug band solo in the middle of that now. Why that reminds this? me, Michael Bailey. I, I just remembered that uh, I meant to send you a, uh, a, a, a feedback after you uh, sang on a I think it was your most recent episode of um, from Crisis to Crisis, wasn't it? You sang something or other, and I, I yeah. really had meant to send you an email asking you to please, dear God, don't ever sing again. <laughs> oh, yeah. Wow. I got a few of those emails. <laughs> I collect those emails. But he hasn't just sung on his own show. He sung on uh, Crawl Space like, for like five minutes on Crawl Space. Oh. Yikes. Whoa. Tell you what, okay. Bailey, you sing. I'll play the washboard for you. <laughs> we'll, we'll sing some songs from Emmett Otter's Jug Band Christmas. It'll be awesome. We're yeah, in like... sync there, my friend. Yes. Oh, Barbecue. Bless my spirit. I swear it never fails. Listen to the birds <laughs> in the trees. <laughs> <laughs> well played. They're not, we're not birds. We're a jug band. <laughs> All right. All right, okay, stop before I start playing jug band music on the soundtrack to this goddamn thing. Luke Giaconetti, I heard you, you were, you kind of like Return of the Jedi, right? Yeah, a little bit. A little, little bit? A little bit. Um, <clears throat> any, of, any of our listeners who listen to the uh, Black Hole episode will know that I'm even younger than the hero, and I was born in 1980, so... Uh, my first experience with Return of the Jedi was watching it on VHS. My uh, my dad was an early VHS adopter, so we had the uh, you know the the first generation uh, home video release of all three of the Star Wars movies. And uh, Jedi is the first one I actually remember watching. My first memory of Star Wars is uh, uh, that I really remember is is three PO and R two going up to Jabba's palace. So uh, as a kid, I would say, Dad, I want to watch Star Wars, and he'd put on Star Wars, and then I get mad. Because I actually meant Return of the Jedi, but you know I was a little kid and stupid, so uh, so I got into it from watching it on VHS as a kid and playing with uh, the Rebo Band toys. So that's my Return of the Jedi origin. And I still have the VHS tapes. I will say that you I, still I, have them. Uh, I gave them to my father-in-law as a gift, and I'm borrowing them at the moment. So uh, <laughs> turn them, turn them, um, convert them into DVD. <laughs> is the idea, yeah. That would be awesome, yeah. Like it's like making a dub of a record or something. You want you want that fuzz and where the tracking goes a little bit. Mm. Steve Rogers, you are up next. This, um. On my uh, fucking and went um Star Wars was uh, let's see I'm I'm say maybe I'm no movie so about thirty five thirty four thirty five so frankly remember if I actually saw it Jedi in the theater or not I I think I did but my memory's kind of a little well uh, fuzzy right now. <clears throat> but 
remember getting all the action figures on this way. I remember watching, immensely watching all of them. So, um, that's, that's really pretty much it. Josh Baker. Yes, sir. I'd like to hear uh, how you saw Return of the Jedi. Well, sorry, guys, but uh, I was in the... Uh, uh, one year old when uh, when it came out to the theater, so I don't know if that's an excuse not to see it, but I didn't see it in the theater. Um, it might be an excuse not to remember it, but you gotta <laughs> get after your parents for not taking you to see it. Uh, stupid bitch. Whoa! But, um, <laughs> Revenge will be mine. <laughs> uh, but I mean, what they didn't do in the theaters, they totally made up for on VHS because when I was a kid, I can't remember a time when we didn't have one of the three Star Wars movies playing constantly. And before I could read, I would always have my mom every time that we um, played any of those movies read the crawl to me every time. And and whenever she didn't, I throw a tantrum. So it kind of got. <laughs> And kind of got to the point where, well, Josh wants to watch Jedi. You, you read in the fucking crawl. I'm tired of this shit. <laughs> Michael Bailey, how old were you? Uh, I was seven years old when Jedi came out. Oh, uh, primed. I, I had gotten, I had had my first of two Star Wars Christmases, the Christmas of 82. Uh, I had gotten... Something that I found out a lot of people didn't have in my little social circle. Uh, then again, I lived in a very small town in Pennsylvania, so that's probably not a surprise. But I had the transport vehicle. That's that's the first vehicle I ever got, um, which substituted for the Millennium Falcon because I didn't have <laughs> one yet. Uh, but I got a buttload of figures. I got the Empire Strikes Back uh, book on record thing where R2-D2 tells you to turn the page. You will know it is time to turn the page when you hear R2-D2 beep like this. And uh, that, that's the first time I experienced Empire. And HBO, as those who remember HBO at that time period, uh, played the crap out of Star Wars. So I think that's the first time I saw that. I cannot remember if I had seen Empire before I went to see Return of the Jedi. I, I just don't remember. But I knew that Darth Vader was Luke's father. I don't know how I came up I came upon this information, probably from that book and record thing. Uh, but I'll I'll never forget it. We uh, the 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 morning that we were going, I was like really really excited, like a kid jacked up for Christmas, excited, and got to the theater. Everything's going fine. Rancor comes out, and I'm hiding because it's. <laughs> Because I was that kind of kid, um, but uh, that—that is where my love of Star Wars really came from. Was seeing Return of the Jedi in the theater, and uh, it is the only of the original trilogy that I saw first run in the theater. Though I did go and see Star Wars and Empire um, on the special editions. Does that count, Scott, or uh, or or do you do you have to see it like first run? To be a well, to be an official Star Wars fan, according to Scott Gardner, I love according the size to, he weighs his yeah, decision. You know, 
we 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 have a lot of young a lot of young bucks here but uh yeah in 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 my book to be an official quote unquote official Star Wars fan your ass had to be in the seat in 77 for the very first one sorry guys uh, I, I well, was we're not a bunch of old That's a, a year and a half old Scott so you'll be old someday yep I, I'm Great. a few months old when it came out anyway <laughs> So. Yeah, I know, Scott, uh, you see, I, I just can't be that cruel as Scott, because, you, you know, I mean, nobody can control, at least as far as I know, when they're born, you know, so it's it's just like, you know, Scott, you, you I guess you officially can't be a Star Trek or a, or a uh, um, Twilight Zone fan or, or fan of many Disney movies. I'm just saying that, you know, I, I have that in front of their of their television sets, you know, when when Star Trek debuted on television, I wasn't there. I couldn't be there. So, I mean, in a lot of ways, I mean, they have the, the leg up. But, you know, that said, I will freely admit that there are people out there that know oodles more about the movies and are definitely more diehard as far as you know their collections and knowledge and things like that than i'll ever be as far as star wars i'm just saying that there's something yeah. to be about oh how you know, about this i, I wish for i wish for tony was here you know i wish for tony was here because i'm gonna throw out the beatles thing there's a, you know mm -hmm. i mean i wasn't born 64 is when the beatles came over but how dare you sir say that i am not a beatles fan i think i've done my <laughs> i can't or i can't i can never officially be a beetle you know i'll just never <laughs> you bastard <laughs> i want to be a beatles fan <laughs> all right jonathan name. jonathan Crides, the new guy hey well, I. What about you? Yeah, I was Holy. born in '84, so unfortunately, I'm falling in that camp as well. Holy crap! He missed the entire goddamn trilogy. What's yeah. he even doing here? Yeah. <laughs> hey, I made it for the special edition, so cut me some slack. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> no, I mean, um, I saw. I vividly recall watching uh, Return of the Jedi at a friend's house, and then we ended up getting the VHS trilogy. I think I dropped the link down below the one that had like the poster art covers and then uh man i wore those tapes out and i know people will dog on the ewoks but i'm telling you like the saddest moment in all the movies for me was when the two ewoks are blasted in the battle and the one like oh, tries dude. to wake up the other one and it's dead yeah. you speak in my language i, I oh, thought i was going to be the one I, that was going to mention I, that I, yeah, no no, no. Yeah, that, john williams score right then plus the sad noise it makes oh man yeah, yeah. Everybody's blubbering with their mute button on right now. <laughs> Damn you, George Lucas. <laughs> Damn you, Richard Markwand. I cried when the Ewok with the bolo hit himself in the head. That was comedy gold. <laughs> <laughs> wicked. That was wicked. <laughs> I think the more no. important thing is how come there was only one black Ewok? <laughs> and 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 okay, I'll be the politically incorrect one. Okay, I'll I'll say it. What the hell? Why the hell did they give it lips like that too? Remember that it had like weird sort of 
see silence at crickets <laughs> but they gave it watched, they, they gave it very... the blu-ray this morning and i think i know exactly what you're talking about and the fact that it was constantly eating watermelon i think was oh, just dude. horrendously stereotypical <laughs> and uh, yeah and the big and the advertising tie-in with kentucky fried chicken and all and that cold 45 disgusting. i mean when yeah, they had the commercial him and lando where lando hands him i'm I'm with Shag on this. Can I have my last name removed from this episode, please? <laughs> I just see the commercial now with Billy D. Like when I hang out with the Black Ewoks, we bring the Colt 45 and the ladies. Oh. And so <laughs> we've even found a She-Walk for my friend here. Oh, that sounds no. so wrong. <laughs> but so right, you know it, Hero. You know it. Of course I do. Deep down. Uh, hey, look, so it's inspired deep, legions of furries, so <laughs> must be doing oh, something God. right. I don't know. I don't know if I've seen a furry Ewok yet. Whoa. Whoa. God, I never <laughs> hope you to see one. You don't want to see a shaved one. <laughs> Chris, that's Chris, a, that's given, an given some, your uh, given your uh, uh, obsession, I guess you could call it, with Mala. Here, here's yeah. the real question: Is would you do an Ewok? I don't know, but I think there should. I I would if we have any artists out there, I would like to see a depiction of a shaved Ewok. As a matter of fact, I think that's a great name for a rock band right there, Shaved Ewok. Yeah, Lucasfilm Legal's really gonna let you get away with that one. You spell it W O C K. I think you know. You just all you have to do is watch that show, Little People, Big World. That's pretty much it, isn't it? Oh, that's fucking cruel, man. <laughs> now that's just gone too far, Mr. Gardner. Oh, oh, oh yeah. Oh, five minutes ago, I want my name taken off this episode. Now you're making fun of midgets. Uh, Good job. Now he's picking up. Got just got a. Uh, G plus plus one for me for that. That was that was good. <laughs> I'm see, only Scott, five foot four, man. You're, you're picking on my people. The guy, <laughs> the guy, the father on that show was actually an Ewok in I don't know. It wasn't it wasn't Jedi. I think it was one of the those Ewok, Ewok movies. Yeah. Battle for Endor, baby. Caravan oh, by Courage. the way, Hero, congratulations on your Emmy for Game of Thrones. The, good job. <laughs> Thank you, thank you. I got mad pussy on that show. It's <laughs> awesome. Yeah, I know you. I knew. I knew you were watching that show. It's fucking good, awesome. Good show. It is. That's a great show. So yes. they're always mad. Yeah. Suckers. So now that we're now well now that we're going in that direction, let's talk about how sexually charged the movie Return of the Child was, and and just Ooh. the the cultural reverberations of the slave Leia bikini. If we you know, do that, though, we're not going to have anything to talk about in the memory section of marketing, advertising, <laughs> memories. All right, we'll save that for memories then. The thing, All right, sorry, guys. Memories. Okay. But stick a pin in that one. I'd like to. Uh -oh. <laughs> hey, but I'm bum. Okay, I well. Sets him up. Let me take it the other way with that, Chris, talking about Leia playing dress up. Hey, I just uh, heard you say that. Oh, never mind. <laughs> we'll take it the other way. Yeah. And, um, yeah, one of the things that, you know, as as a little kid, you know, like I said, I was watching this as a little kid, and uh, one of the things that I've always liked about Return of the Jedi, and in fact about the original trilogy in general over the prequels, is that because we don't know where we're going, we can go anywhere. So when Jedi opens up in Jabba's palace, and we've got, you know, Han is, is still frozen in carbonite, and the hologram of Luke gives uh, R2 and 3PO to to uh, Jabba as, as gifts, and then Chewbacca's a prisoner of this uh, strange bounty hunter. You're like, 
you know, you're watching, it's like, oh, geez, what the heck's going to happen? How are they going to get out of this? You know, and, and who's this, you know, this bounty hunter looks really cool. Who is this Bosch? You know, and then, you know, Leia takes the helmet off. And as a kid, that was like the coolest thing ever to me. You know, I didn't, never even entered my mind that it could be Leia in disguise. I mean, you watch it now and you're like, oh, sweet. You know, you know it, you know it's there because you've seen it a million times. But as a kid, that type of, that type of, of twist you can get away with in a movie like Jedi because we don't know where the story's going. We right, don't right. know where pieces have to end up. And I love that. And that's why I like, one of the things I like about Jedi, because I think that Lucas was, to a degree, somewhat more, uh, somewhat more willing to take risks than he was with the prequels. And I think after Jedi, we got away yes. from that, whereas now things have to fit a little bit more neatly. Yes. I, I would agree with your statement there. I mean, it was a total shocker when Bausch or whatever you call it pulled off the helmet. And, and you know, I, had, I guess I hadn't put it in those kind of terms, but I like what the way you said is that we didn't know where things were going to go. It was a whole, you know, it was, it was the wild frontier in the Star Wars universe at that point. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, I mean, the, the whole scene in Jabba's palace, and then you go on to the Death Star and what happens on Endor, it was all unknown. And nowadays, with social media and hype and teasers, you know, we knew exactly what was going to happen in episode one, two, and three before we saw it. We just didn't know the script. It was right. it, harder for me because I, I was in college when episode one came out. And so it was freaking huge. All the on the mushes that I was on, you know, the, you know, it was just nonstop. It was harder for me to avoid spoilers and find them. And that is wrong. But yeah. that's the we live in. Whereas, you know, back then is like all we had to go on was the trailer. Which is funny because in the trailer they show Han alive and kicking on Endor, so it's like whoops. But yeah. <laughs> yeah, and, we knew uh, he was gonna come back. But. Yeah. <laughs> I uh you know, coming from kind of a different perspective on that, having not really been in any kind of organized fandom because I was only seven and, and, and all that, it, it wasn't so much wondering what was going to happen it's just it was just the general excitement that there was a star wars movie mm-hmm. and and it's really kind of interesting because i think maybe we're in this this era again now but from 77 till i would say probably about the mid 80s being a star wars fan wasn't a geeky thing it was just part of everything else going on in your life you know, because it was so omnipresent in the culture and on the playground, maybe a better way to say that. It's just, you know, if you said I like Star Wars, no one automatically called you a nerd because it's like, well, everyone likes Star Wars. I mean, yeah, I rem- said Trek. Yeah, <laughs> I remember. Does anybody remember the first time? I think it was like 1985 when they showed all three Star Wars films for the first time on USA. And the event that that was, it was like a Saturday afternoon. I don't remember that, but I remember when Star Wars came to HBO, how yeah. how massive that was. Because it was basically the phenomenon happening all over again. You know, the original, you know, theatrical phenomenon kind of happened again. But, you know, of course it was a smaller scale because not everybody had HBO. But it was yeah. still pretty huge that... Wow, Star Wars on television. So yeah, I can, I can kind of relate, but no, I don't. I don't remember the USA thing. But the the thing is, is that after eighty five, eighty six, somewhere in there, you know, if you were into Star Wars, you were you were kind of nerdy because it it hadn't really gone underground. But it there wasn't a new Star Wars movie coming out, and it wasn't everywhere. You know, it was like the I right. remember you you hadn't picked up the new cultural stuff that everybody else yeah. was. You're yeah. 
the you know it was like when the Timothy Zahn books started coming out in the in the early '90s when I was in high school. You know, that's when it became kind of a geeky thing. And I think now with Clone Wars being on Cartoon Network and, you know, the, the movies being still, you know, even though it was six years ago, that it's still thanks to DVD and constant showings on Spike TV. Um, you know, I, I think once again, we're, we're, in a, we're in a cultural place where being a Star Wars fan doesn't automatically make you a nerd. Right. Uh, I, I, it, I think Michael's yeah, I, dead because the thing about Star Wars, as opposed historically to Star Trek, is that, and I think we, we touched on this when we did Star Trek The Motion Picture, it's that uh, Star Wars never really had any preconceptions about being, you know, high intellectual entertainment. It was fun. You know, it, it, was, it was a throwback yeah. to your Buck Rogers and Flash Gordon, uh, Zap Pow Golly Whiz type of sci- science fiction from the... 30s and 40s and that connects to people uh especially of in this time period on a sort of primal level because we we kind of know that because it's been aped and done so many times so when it's done really well we respond to it in a lot of ways it's very similar to how raiders of the lost ark tapped into all those old adventure serials and got everybody psyched up again because these themes and star wars is no different the the themes and mythologies are you know may vary but they generally strike the same chords with people and you don't have to be you know, a nerd, so to speak, to enjoy it. So people tend to like it more because they think it's more, they f- it comes across as more accessible. Thank you, Joseph Campbell. Yeah. Well, <laughs> no, Campbell, so I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> I read Cinefantastique magazine. That beats Joseph Campbell any day of the week and twice on Sunday. <laughs> <laughs> well, I want to say one, I want to try to make a point about, um, how in 99 you had so much more built into the uh, mythology besides just the um, original trilogy with all the expanded universe stuff. I think that may have added a bit to what I'm trying to say is there was enough there that people's expectations about what was going to happen and what could happen and whatnot were Started before more so than what what they could have been back in '84 when he just had the Marvel series. And I want to try to ask you one more three, um, trilogy out the Han Solo and Ronald Harrison and trilogies, yeah, the Brian Daly, and right, yeah. yeah. So you get those to us, but on any sort of um, additional imagination into oh, what, what could they be added or what could, what could happen in the film where in 99 you have all this backstory that could possibly be into what this movie is going to be about. Well, I was just going to say, I know that's how I also got in at that point. I was really drawn in by the EU right before the special editions came out. But even then, there was a big EU push before the next round came out. So I imagine if, uh, you know, if in 83, all you really had, like he said, were those very few novels and the Marvel series, you know, I, I definitely think there's a big difference back then than there was before, you know, since the prequel trilogy came out. Well, well, then- absolutely, there was. But at the same rate... Um- you know, it's something. It's funny. I never really thought about this before, but I think that that you know, it's 
I think there is a parallel there between Return of the Jedi, at least for some of us. Uh, and again, you know, this is I'm not trying to be a dick, you know, with with pointing out that <laughs> right. not you know not everybody here <laughs> is around for the original. But you know, the, those of us in the group here that are old enough, see if you follow this. I mean that you know there was that speculation period between Empire and Jedi that you miss if you came along later after these were already all released and they were available on TV or on VHS or whatever. But that three-year period, you know, when you're a kid, that three-year period was an eternity of waiting. Especially when you're a Star Wars freak kid, you know, and all you had to do was hang around with your friend Scott Gardner and go, what do you think? You think he's really his father? I don't know. No, yeah, there was a lot of that sort of thing. Um, which you know we'll definitely be delving into more in the in the you know the uh, marketing part of that show, but uh, yeah, I mean I think that's why that's that's one of the big reasons that uh, Return of the Jedi. While I really love the movie, you know I thoroughly enjoy the movie. At the same rate, it's not one of my favorites, and that's because you have that three year period of buildup that it's hard for a movie to live up to that sort of thing magnify that by 19 years that you have with uh episode one episode one was it 19 years no i think i'm like that it was a long time anyway 15 years 15 years yeah Yeah. you know that's it was a friggin lifetime yeah so i mean that movie could have come out and literally could have been the greatest thing ever and there might still have been some of that feeling of, well, that could have been better only because it, you know, it's such a long time to wait and your mind builds up such this huge mega thing. You know, when it comes to geek things like this, especially, I feel that, you know, we just have such huge expectations that it's really, really hard for, for anything to live up to that sort of expectation. So a lot of times we will get something like Return of the Jedi and there's a tendency sometimes, I think, to see more of the flaws or more of the of what we perceive as shortcomings rather than the things that really are awesome. I think the sequel, excuse me, the prequels, rather, I think that's the entire problem with the prequels is that in a nutshell is that, you know, no matter what they were, <laughs> there's just that level of anticipation that is just never going to live up to what you had built up in your mind that they were going to be or that they should have well, been. You know, yeah, according you I, can person- promise, I can promise that you added this. to the bad acting. And I was going to say, I, I can promise <laughs> you there's more than just anticipation. There were problems with the prequels. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, 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 let me say this. So I totally, I actually do agree with you on that point. So what would you say? At least let's, let's hear what everyone had to say would be, you know, the parts of Return of the Jedi that met or exceeded expectations or that maybe fell a little short. Um, that's a good one. I think we should go round robin with that. I think that's excellent. I, I love that you included yes. or you started with met or exceeded rather than just the shortcomings because that's what I, I thought you were going to say. And I was like, oh, you know, I don't want to just bust on the movie. So, yeah, I like that idea of, you know, what what were the things that we liked or we thought were even better than what we expected? And then, you know, where were the shortcomings? Absolutely. Um, I'd say, well, Chris, now, go with a round robin on that. I will go with the round robin, and this time I'm going to include you and I in it. So we're going to go to Chris. Oh, oh, I'm not prepared. Oh, wait, I'll throw something together. <laughs> That's not prepared. <laughs> the, 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 
the sad, sad truth of Re- Return of the Jedi, and some of you probably know this, and we'll get we'll go into this in depth in the comic book episode of Return of the Jedi Month, which will be the third week. But I had it all spoiled for me because I got my greasy little grubby hands on the the super special adaptation months before. How was it months? It felt like no, months. it could have no, been about a month. I don't even think it was that long. I want to say it was maybe a Weeks. maybe a couple of days or a week at most. It was before the movie came out. Yeah, it was before the movie, but it was not. I don't think it was more than say two weeks at at the very most. But I'm thinking it it was more like maybe a couple of days. Long enough to when I went to the movie, I had already read. Long the enough comic. that you gloated, you <laughs> bastard. <laughs> gloated and spoiled everything for Scott. So. So, like, the story elements, none of that was, you know, none of the story, like, I I lost the excitement, even in the, the seeing it in the theater for the first time of not knowing that, you know, the bounty hunter was Leia. And, uh, but, um, for me, the speeder bike chase on a big screen on opening night with a room full of psyched kids was crazy i mean there i mean the the speeder bike chase had people just had the theater electric you know and i i remember that for me being the big set piece that 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 you know that stood out and i was just like enthralled with and the the final battle the space battles were were great but like the I remember the audience giving a standing ovation when um when um the one speeder bike got snagged and spun around the tree until it exploded standing ovation in the theater people like it was like going to see Rocky 2 or something <laughs> but that that's what exceeded my expectations all right scott i'm going to ask you next ooh um it's a trap it's a trap. I like catching them by surprise. Yeah. Everybody's on the list out so I can get Scott by surprise every time. Well, one of the things I always like with a new Star Wars movie, generally speaking, is the introduction of new ships, new locales, new, you know, just new playthings. And Return of the Jedi didn't disappoint because it gave us, you know, my personal favorite TIE ship, which was the TIE Interceptor, although I'm a big fan of the TIE Bomber, too. You know, the shuttles were awesome. Um, and I even liked some of the new Rebel ships. The A-Wing's a little weak, but it's still kind of cool looking. The B-Wing was really cool. We got the the Mon Calamari I thought were really cool, both the ships and the people themselves. Um, got some, you know, some really nice set pieces, some really great action. I think John Williams' score is awesome. And sadly, I think that uh, his score for this movie is still one of his lesser appreciated scores. I'm not saying it's un- unappreciated or even necessarily underappreciated, but I-, I think it could be held up a little higher than what it is. I think there's still the perception out there that it's a weak score, and I don't think it is. Um, but there was a-, a lot of stuff I I really did like about the movie and everything. Um but as far as you know, unfortunately with this movie, there's a lot more on my on my disappointment list than there is on the stuff that really caught me off guard or really surprised. I totally agree with you about the speeders. I thought the speeder stuff was awesome. Um, to this day, I want a speeder bike. 
Mm-hmm. I can remember after seeing this movie and going on like our, our bicycles and zipping down through the woods as fast as we can, trying to recreate that, that feeling in your, you know, that you, when you were sitting in the movie theater of zipping through the woods, you know, and just wanting so bad to own a real speeder bike and, and things like that. Um, when I hear Scott say trying to recreate that feeling in your dot, 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 I get really nervous <laughs> about where the podcast is going. <laughs> um, but as far as, uh, you know, the other side, I mean, I mean, we could make a whole show out of that and, and well, we probably will with the, the commentary that will come along. Um, there, there, were, there was a lot of, of disappointment for me, but it's one of those things where much like the prequels where I've come to appreciate the movie for what it is rather than, you know, what I wanted it to be, because I've come to the realization that going into those movies, you know, anything after Empire Strikes Back, going into any of those movies and judging them based on what I wanted versus what was given to me is just unfair. I mean, it's unfair for for anything, whether it's a, a, you know, a movie or a book or a comic or anything. So, you know, I, I try to take Return of the Jedi as given rather than as I, you know, what I wanted it to be. It'll give um, you ulcers, too, if you... Yeah, well, absolutely. <laughs> but, you know, just real quick, uh, you know, probably the two biggest ones right off the bat is, uh, you know, while I knew that obviously they were going to be going after Han Solo and reconciling that situation, I've never really been happy with the whole... Jabba thing in the movie I didn't really I still to this day don't really care for slug Jabba and I just feel like that part of the movie not only does it drag it takes up way too much of the movie to me it's like I really wanted them to wrap that up very quickly and get on with what I felt was the the primary uh, plot of the movie which was wrapping up everything with you know between Luke and Vader and you know with taking down the Emperor and overthrowing the Empire you know and I felt like all that kind of gets crammed into the rest of the movie and way too much was wrapped up with Jabba and all his you know gaggle of Muppets so, so um, wait, if, if you didn't like slug Jabba did you prefer like fat Irish Jabba instead no I, I like dog face Jabba from you know from the comics from the oh, you know, okay. original um you know, the conception chop Jabba. Mutton chop. Yeah. yeah, you know, yak face Jabba. Um and then of course the other big one is that in a in a funny kind of way, you know, the the rest of Return of the Jedi, it feels like a retread, you know, with there being a second Death Star and all that that I don't know. There's there's certain aspects of that movie that I think are phenomenal, and then there's su- certain other aspects that almost feels like a TV movie. And one of the things that definitely gives me that TV movie feeling is the the plot of there being a second Death Star and and things like that. Strangely, while they invented a lot of new special effects and and had some really top notch te- uh, special effects technology at the time, there's a lot of effects in the movie that look kind of shoddy to me that don't look as top notch as they should feel that, you know, it's little things like that, but overall I, I do enjoy the movie and I don't want to just you know, bust on it. It just, I, I wish it had been a little bit more spectacle at the end of it. I really had envisioned something more like, um, you know, like going to like, like actually like storming the emperor's home, you know, like a cat, you know, like this, I, I saw something almost like the wicked witch's castle in, you know, wizard of Some Oz, sort of keep or something. Yeah, yes. exactly. You a know, let's like, keep. 
Yeah, exactly. Like, you know, like a like this huge battle, kind of like in uh, the two towers, you know, where there's that siege of the keep. You know, I, I I actually that was something more of what I saw in my mind, you know, with this movie. But again, you know, that's that's judging it based on what I expected rather than what's actually given. But I, you know, I enjoy them every time I watch it. I I still get a thrill out of it. There's still a, a lot that I really like about it. I like the forest stuff a lot. You know, I liked seeing the. Uh, the scout walkers come back, you know, and get more action, you know, more screen time and more action than just, you know, a quick blink and you miss it from, you know, from the Empire Strikes Back. Um, I think the for the whole forest battle is really good. I, I still to this day wish that it was e- uh, Wookiees instead of Ewoks. But, you know, I've come to I've come to accept the Ewoks. I was never a hater. I just was always kind of. Uh, I don't I was, think they would have pulled but, Wookiees off at that. Yeah, well, at, that, at that point. Oh, yeah. Well, I, I think you also have to realize that I don't if you remember way, way back, the Wookiees were supposed to be primitive. And when he made Chewbacca the co-pilot, he was like, oh, crap. Wait, they can fly ships? So I can't have them be that primitive. See, I've never you know? I've never bought that. I've, I've heard him say that, you know, in, in a bunch of different interviews, but I've never really bought that, you know. Or it could, or it could just be his creepy obsession with midgets, you know. <laughs> George did have an obsession with midgets. He did. Let's let's be let's be frank about that. I mean, is there not a Star Wars movie that don't ha- doesn't have little people in it? Ever? No. Well, midgets, midgets work for half price, so. No. Boom boom. No, I mean it's it's but I mean I I'll you know there's a lot of things that I won't necessarily buy for him, but I could buy that bugging him that you know he he had built up Chewbacca and he's like. Is everyone else going to buy, you know, Chewbacca's, look how awesome Chewbacca is fixing things. You put C-3PO back together in Empire. You know, are you going to buy the fact that this whole planet is not like Chewbacca? You know, it's kind of, he, maybe he was trying to deal with the public perception of what Wookiees were. They weren't the primitives he had imagined them to be. But then like when we do go to Kashyyyk in uh, episode three, yeah. they're definitely in like yeah. tree huts and all that, but. Yep. Well, that, uh, t- I wonder Timothy, if. Well, Tim- well Timothy Zahn really created Kashyyyk. He also created Coruscant in the Thrawn trilogy. I mean, right. they, had, they hadn't been detailed anywhere else. And in a lot of ways, I'm kind of... I'm not quite happy with how Kashyyyk lived it, because he described it more as, you know, a planet of just redwoods with, like, no bottom you could see. You know, that's right. kind of the His... His take on that, though, is one of the things that always put me off. Actually, it was probably the main sticking point with me and not really digging those novels is that he made such a huge point of this being the first time that, uh, I don't know about all the different characters, but definitely Leia. There's a lot of time spent in his novels with Leia being in wonder and, you know, really enthralled with the planet. And, you know, this is my first trip. And I'm like, no, damn it. They went there in the, in the special. And, you know, I know that that's a, a dirty word Dude. for a lot of fans, but it, that was this, it was filmed. It was on TV. It had Dude. all the stars in it. It happened. It you know? No, it did not happen. No. It happened, Only the Bob Effect cartoon happened. Shag, you yeah. can't, you can't oh, pick and choose, yeah. dude. Come yeah, on. Yeah, yeah. Uh, sure, uh, they do pick and choose. They do. Sometimes people who are traumatized take their mind and compartmentalize it. That's just what Shag is doing. Uh, I'm watching uh, the um, Star Wars animation of the Muppet Show and as part of canon. That is canon, yes. Oh, jeez. <laughs> the Muppet on. Show takes place in some weird pocket of reality, just like that, um, oh, what was his name, Scott, that, uh, in the Star Wars comic? 
What? Remember the guy who lived in the in the pocket of reality? Oh, he was a legendary Cody Sh- Sunchild. Or? Yeah, that. Oh, yeah, it's yeah. it's very similar to Cody Sunchild with the Muppets. <laughs> they have their own little pocket universe, and yeah. by some the, fluke, then throw the oh, Christmas God. special in there too. We don't have to worry about it because oh man. Yeah. No, because no, yeah, like I, I have to say, as heir to the empire, I read the one line that Wookiees had claws, and I was sold on on the Zon books forever. I was yeah. just like, these are the best things ever. That movie is yeah. just proof that that we are the children of aliens, and that probably our farthest ancestors, space ancestors, were B. Arthur and Harvey Corman. Oh, dude, <laughs> come on. <laughs> I like it. The only thing you can say about Return of the Jedi and the the holiday special is the fact that Carrie Fisher was doing a lot of blow both times. Yes. <laughs> it kind of shows in Return of the Jedi too. You can sort of see it around the edges and Yeah. Pry Harrison Ford was doing a yeah. No, oh, Mark Hamill was. Mark Hamill was too? Yeah, I don't I think like that to think of Mark Hamill doing drugs. Was that after the car accident? Because I know at one point he got his whole face smashed at some point. Was that after he did... Yeah, I think the car accident was like in episode, or, I guess, A New Hope, right? I mean, wasn't it was, that it was right sure. early That was there? before Empire. Right That's before Empire yeah. Strikes Back. That's part of the Wampa yeah. stuff. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. No, he I just, just, I just turned 60, if you can believe that. Yeah, oh. I saw that. Yeah. Jeez. It looks about oh, 75. Yeah. Well, <laughs> right. I was going to use Yoda's line, but I was like, no, never mind. He doesn't look that good. I'm, I'm going to rein this back to our, our reek here and get back to our original question, which Scott and I somehow sidelined. Somehow, we, I don't know how that happened. Surprise. I don't know how Scott and I took <laughs> that one off into the ditch, but I'm going to switch it up and I'm going to reverse the order of the list, which is... Not going to affect anybody in the middle. So there you go. <laughs> so Jonathan Kreitz, what were your big? Uh, what was what was something that was your um, disappointments and surprisingly good things about Honestly, it? It was your question, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, it was my question. Yeah. All right. So we're going to hit you first, then. Yeah, man. It's, it's great. You know, I uh, I really did like, even though maybe he was on the second Death Star and maybe that was a little redundant. I did as a kid love you know Luke going all by himself in to take on Vader and the Emperor at the same time I just always thought that was you know I guess that was everything I wanted out of that um uh you know in terms of disappointment honestly now looking back at it I do agree with Scott that it it just takes a really long time to get going and I rewatched the film this week on Blu-ray uh just in anticipation of this conversation and I don't know why now all of a sudden it just realized, it like dawned on me that in the middle of the film they finally get Han back, they meet up with the fleet, and like, I don't know, they just all decide to go to Endor together. It just seems really, I don't know, the plot there where they just, you know, one by one agree that they're all going to go on the mission to Endor. I would say if there was one, you know, disappointing to me, that seems kind of forced. But, you know, other than that, I still really have a special place for Return of the Jedi because I think it's the first Star Wars movie I can really recall in detail. Um, Yeah. Michael Bailey. I know you're there. I know you're out there, Michael Bailey. I can smell your brains. (laughs) Um, That's con fun. I I bathe every day I go to con. Um... I didn't really have any expectations going into the film when I first saw it. 
because I, I didn't, you know, I, I was just like, ooh, it's Star Wars, and look, look at all the laser swords, which I hate when people call them laser swords. I hate even more, by the way, when George Lucas refers to it as a laser sword, because it's like, dude, you it's came up with the term lightsaber. Sword. I mean, anyways, that that's a that's a rant for another time. Uh, as I've rewatched the film hundreds and hundreds of times, I, I think the things that that meet my expectations every time, because I forget bits and pieces as I go, uh, the space battle at the end of the film is probably my favorite in the entire series. Uh, that was the first time that they were really pushing the limits of what they could do with those things. I mean, in the first film, they, 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 they blazed the trail and the second film, I don't think really had a assault on the death star tripes type space battle had a lot of good space scenes. I love the sequence of the millennium Falcon on the run, but they really upped the ante in, in the moon over Endor with having as many types of ships as they had, having all of the big bulk, you know, like the big, uh, not only the super star destroyers and the star destroyers, but whatever those giant rebel ships were as well. And they were whipping around and they were, you know, like really dogfighting. And I love that part of the film. I think of the original trilogy, it has the best lightsaber battle uh, and the best scoring during a lightsaber battle. Because when Luke loses his shit, Toward, uh, right at the end when he goes sister the the choral part of that just gets me every freaking time i watch the film it is just yeah. awesome it is. um i uh it, it's I really fix, baby. It, it, it's really funny because scott and i had the 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 tattooing conversation uh, and that one and only comic show we went to. I remember we were sitting there waiting for my wife to come out of the restroom, and we were sitting there talking about Star Wars because that's what geeks guys do when they're waiting for their respective mates to come out of the the bathroom, I guess. But it, it feels like there's two films here. It feels like we're getting the end of Empire Strikes Back, and then Return of the Jedi really starts. Now you have the scenes with Darth Vader, you know, getting to the Death Star at the very beginning, uh, you know, which kind of, you know, shows you, okay, we're, we're definitely in a new film. But every time it cuts to Tatooine, I'm like, okay, I'm glad I'm seeing the resolution to this. But it doesn't feel like it's part of the overall story of Jedi as a movie. So I, I think, you know, every time I see that, I kind of, I hate to say this, I kind of tune out of the Tatooine parts. And I just want them to get to the moon of Endor and for Luke to get onto the Death Star and confront the Emperor and uh, and Darth Vader and really get to the meat and potatoes of that. Because Amen, the, cause the cutting uh, back and forth and back to the space battle, to the battle going on on the moon of Endor, despite the Ewoks, uh, which I'll get to, I guess, when we get to our real complaints of the film, unless we're doing it all at once, uh, and then to the confrontation between Luke and Darth Vader. That is the part that will make me forgive any other like minor quibbles I have with the film. And that's it. And that's all she wrote. Okay, Josh Baker, you are next on the, the backwards 
Reek this. Oh, well, like Mike, I didn't really have any expectations going into Return because I was so young at the time when I first saw it. But, you know, looking back now as an adult on it, it does, I'll have to agree that the Java stuff does kind of, you know, kind of stretch and uh, slows the movie down a little bit. But I don't know. I just kind of like it. When I went and saw it in the theaters, it was the special edition, and I could really do without the jazzy musical number. Oh. What is it? <laughs> Jedi Rocks? Oh, man. But, yeah, uh, that was it. That was actually something uh, I, I want to I get to at some point was, uh, you know, for those that were too young to ex- have experienced uh, Jedi first time around in the theater – you know when the when the special editions came out. You know, did you guys go see the special? You know, because I remember that one of the advertisements was, was probably still my favorite one was the one that starts. You know, on the giant theater screen, there's that little teeny tiny like TV screen, and it says something like, "For an entire generation, you know, people have seen you know only seen Star Wars this way." You know, and then it. It announced that you know the special editions were coming. You know it was coming back to theaters. You know so an entire generation would get that chance to experience the movies, you know, on the big screen. And I'm just wondering, you know, did you guys, you know, go see them? And and what did you think? You know, was it was it as impressive? Did it blow you away, or was it just kind of like, eh, I've seen this, you know, on on VHS or whatever? So I and um. Like I was saying before, I saw them originally in the theater when I was, um, um, yeah, I mean, five, six in that range. So, seeing it again in the 90s, um, now, now in my teens, it definitely a better experience in terms of, uh, just having that wow factor. It, Almost like seeing it again for the first time, too. As Annette and Payne said, I would not say I did not better, but it was something that um, you put in the plate and feel unless you were a few years older kind of thing. So, yeah, I think that was definitely a good experience for me. Generation after um, you start and you um, first worry about you see it and we're fully confident of it in the theater. So. so since we're we're at it, you're next on the list. So what were the parts that? What were your um, favorite parts and your disappointment? The disappointment parts. I don't know <laughs> what to call them. <laughs> Disappointment <laughs> moments of Return of the Jedi. <laughs> well, can I, can I quote the late night conversations from once? Yes. You know, about uh, the whole idea of, of them possibly being, um, uh, oh, I imagine union workers, um, Unfortunately, being a casualty of war in the next stop. Well, I was trying to, yeah, you know, the scene in parts where they're talking about the uh, independent contractors? You're talking in clerks, yeah, that's hilarious. Yeah. The, the independent contractors, is that what you said? Yes. 
Yeah. That stuff's great. About the second Death Star. Yes. Yeah, and I think it's a yeah, I think it's a good point <laughs> that you know, it's brought up for comedic purposes in that movie, but I do think it ends up being a really good point that the character <laughs> makes. That's why we're nerds, man. That's why we're nerds. I, and I, I remember sitting, actually, in the first time I saw Clerks going, that's a very good point, Kevin Smith. I had, It's such a good point that there's now a series of T-shirts, you know. There's yeah. just, you know, I had friends that died on the Death Star with the sad stormtrooper on it. And... <laughs> okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be the politically incorrect guy. On this, this one, has uh, has anyone seen the video of the stormtroopers talking like the Death Star destruction yeah. was nine eleven? Video, yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. yeah. That one's really good. I, I like that. Freaking Actually. hilarious. So they're like, so you really believe that it was a bunch of rebels that flew into the Death Star and uh, yeah, blew like it up? one guy's like, I was supposed to be there, man. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, I remember from the West End role-playing games when they did the Imperial Source book, they had posters. Remember, remember the Death Star. They gave their lives. No, seriously, they had, they was, the books were written in the style of being Imperial propaganda. So when they talked about the first star, Death Star, they talked about all the innocent lives that these rebel, these, these you know, this, this, these, these rebels were uh, destroying, you know. And, you know, it's just, it's, it's not... It's not politically incorrect. It's in universe. The Empire would propagandize the Death oh, Star. Oh sure, absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. And, and and down downplay the destruction of Al Alderaan. Right. They, they, it was be... a home to rebel scum. You know, they, right. they you know they they got what they deserved. Those peaceniks with their absolutely no weapons at all anywhere on the planet. They deserve <laughs> to be blown up. <laughs> they hit it with their bunker buster. <laughs> yeah. No, it's like, but I mean, that's, I mean, honestly, that's that. I still love that. I remember listening to, I think it was the commentary for one of the uh, prequels that Lucas did, where he tries to sort of rebut the clerk's argument and <laughs> absolutely fails in immensely. It's like George, you, you don't get it. You, you, it, it. It was a, it, it's a, it's a funny joke and it's an interesting question. But George, you don't actually need to rebut it. Let us geeks just talk about it. You don't need to try to explain it away or destroy, you know, get rid of the joke aspect of it. And I think that's kind of what he was trying to do. I think it was for episode two or something like that. The commentary track had him trying to explain away the independent contractor bit. And I was like, uh, <laughs> yeah, thanks, exactly. thanks for sucking the fun out of that movie, too. <laughs> he, might, he might be a little obsessive compulsive. Yes. Yeah. I wish he was obsessive compulsive about the right things, but that's neither here nor there. Um, but you know, I, that's that, that's a perfectly legitimate point. Anyway, I have a I have my my snappy name for this question. Now I've thought of it. So Luke, so we're gonna, we're gonna try it out right now. Luke Giaconetti, did you have any expectations exceeded or dashed on what? Return of the Jedi? How was that? It was kind of clumsy. Yeah. No? Yeah, it's then, better wait. than what I came up with before, but well, anything were, were they were they dash rendard? Is that where you're going? Oh, they were uh, dash rendard useless. Point shag. It's Thank it's you. hard to It's hard for me to say about expectations because, as I said, you know, the first Star Wars movie I remember seeing is is Jedi. So, but as far as things that I think work really well, and uh, even just rewatching the film the last week that still stand out to me as 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 well done i'm gonna be i'm gonna be the one black sheep here so far because i think the bit at jabba's palace is awesome 
I love the whole bit of Jabba's Palace, and that gets back to what I was talking about before I'm, that. I'm with you on that. I've been keeping my mouth shut about it, but I like that whole first part, too. Even because the to burping me, frog? I, 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 the, the, the one outside, or, or Salicious? Yeah, or, the one outside, burping frog. I don't, you know yes, I do I, like the burping frog. I'll, I'll, I'll discuss that in a second. I do like the big dog guy inside that growls at, um, at 3PO and R2 as they come by. Mm-hmm. Barking ground. I love that guy. I forget. I don't know what his what his species is, but the whole bit with Jabba and and Jabba's palace. I really like that because it gets back to what I would had mentioned earlier that we didn't know where things were going. At least I didn't watching it. So it to me it's it's something new and and different. And you know that and some Chris, you I think it was you and Scott both mentioned the the speeder bike chase. Speeder bike chase still holds up. And to me, watching like for example the air car chase in episode two. I watched and I said, "Man, you know, the speeder bike chase is a lot better than this," you know, and um, just the the whole bit at the end on the Death Star with um, the Emperor and Luke and uh, Vader, you know, there there there's something when when we're young, we're all we're all sons, you know, we're all guys here for the most part, so we're all sons, right? And then when you get older and you get married and have kids, now you're a father and a son. And for, for me, growing up watching Jedi, that last part, you always watch it as a son, and the son is fighting against his father, who's turned, and he's trying to get him to come back and save him. Well, watching it when you're a father and a son brings a whole new emotional resonance to the scene, at least it does for me. And so this was the first time I had watched Jedi all the way through since I'd become a father, and that scene is a, takes a lot different connotation to me now. And I, it, I really love that, because you get, now I know the emotional feelings for both Luke and Vader in that scene. Right, that, right. That to me is why Jedi is my favorite one because when the special editions were coming out, uh, I want to say that um, Mr. Lucas had a comment that, well, you know, uh, we, we didn't have to do that uh, that much to Jedi because it's the most emotional film of, of the trilogy. And that doesn't excuse or explain Jedi Rocks in any way, shape, or form. But anyway, uh, so to me. Nothing does. Nothing does. does. So just watching that whole bit makes me, you know, that, that, that's what resonates with me. But as far as things that that disappoint me about Jedi, really there, there's not many, just because I'm I'm such a fan. Um, off the top of my head, like I said, the the changing of of Lopty Neck to Jedi Rocks, I really really dislike because I think it it that makes that scene kind of drag for me personally because preach point, on brother. The point of Lopty Neck was just that the Rebo Band was playing a song for the dancers to dance to. The Rebo Band was not the focus of the scene. You know, it was just, it was mood music, so to speak. It was like a nightclub song. And now it's like this big show-stopping number, and I'm like, uh, that that turns me off. Uh, I also, you, Shag, you mentioned the burping frog guy. I don't understand why every animal in the Star Wars universe has to burp after it eats something. I, I've never understood that, and I, <laughs> and I think that gets a little bit silly upon repeated viewings. And similarly, I, I do not like the special edition Sarlacc. Uh, I think it's a little. T- it moves a little too quick for something that's supposed to be that big and that old, if that makes any sense. It's supposed to be. Just, like- I think they were just trying to make it look less like a vagina. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, all I think about with that is, you know, it's but why? Be- if it's supposed to be this big leviathan type thing, you know, this this gigantic uh, titan scale creature, shouldn't it move a little bit slower? But that's again, my, I'm I'm nitpicking here because, you know, I I really like Jedi's my favorite Star Wars movie, so it's hard for me to find uh, nits to pick. So. No. 
have you heard about what what they're going to uh, what they added to the Blu-ray? Have I heard about what, what they added to the Blu-ray? Uh, yes. Yes, well, I, I have. Go what, ahead. What, how did that make you feel about what they're doing? I I don't uh, right now. The the bit with with Luke making the the lightsaber doesn't bother me in the least because, you know that's I mean that's fine. Kind of cool, yeah. It's, it's also it's connective tissue. Yeah, it, and it, it's something they filmed originally too. It's I, sort I, of... I, I, it doesn't bug me that he added it personally. I haven't seen the Blu-rays because I don't I don't have a Blu-ray player. But um, from a from a narrative standpoint, I like that the first time we see Luke in the flesh is he comes in in his Jedi robes and he's all you know. He waves the Gamorrean guards off, and he's speak, you know he's speaking very he's speaking like a Jedi, speaking directly, and he's you know talking to Jabba, uh, you know, person of authority to person of authority. So I don't know if that would impact it or not. Again, because I haven't seen it. As far as adding the Noler coaster to the fight at the end, I'm not well, I'm not looking forward to seeing that. Let's just put it that way. I've I've seen the clips of it, and I'm 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 very proud of us that we've made it this long before. <laughs> actually bringing that up although it was an, it's an inevitability but Aren't yeah the that blinking too Don't they have the ewoks blinking as well that's okay <laughs> that's okay with that that doesn't bother me as much the no really i mean that's such a great scene because it's yeah. the silence of it the you know darth vader looking back and forth and you know you can you you see his Wait. thought you don't need yeah. to hear him go no yeah. and i no. understand he's trying to build that 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 poetic you know, echo. It rhymes. It rhymes with the no that everybody hates in episode three. So I put a no that everybody oh, hates shit. in episode six. It works out perfectly. You know what's what's funny, Chris, is that a couple of years ago, and and Steve, again to your point, I saw on on YouTube a fan edit that uh, someone put together where they cut in clips between um, the Emperor shooting the Force Lightning at, at Luke, and we keep cutting to Vader, and he keeps turning and looking at the Emperor and looking at Luke. He cut in clips of, you know, uh, Vader as a little kid, and then Vader as a Padawan, and Vader as a, as a Jedi, and Padme, and Padme dying, and all, cut in all those clips, and, and didn't add or change any dialogue, just cut those little, little, little snippets of those in. And that I th thought, if you wanted to change that scene, was a better way to do it because it was it was not so over the top, you know. It's mm -hmm. like it, it it was it it kind of made like I said before some connective tissue. Personally, yes. I I wouldn't change it, but again, I'm I'm a I'm a Jedi fanboy, but you know, I think there might have been other ways to go about that that may have been a little less heavy handed. Mm -hmm. I'm okay with the no. I know I'm probably in the minority there, but uh, I mean I'm not okay with the one in Revenge of the Sith. But as I've seen the scene in Return of the Jedi, it actually didn't bother me. And I thought it added something to that scene because Vader's complete silence. I just I guess I, until I heard the no, I didn't realize how empty that scene felt. And then when it's in there, I'm like, yeah, actually, that works. Empty? I, I got your really? back. Uh, no, I don't. Yeah, I, 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 I totally disagree. Uh, yeah. Chad. Chad. I, I think you Scott's agreeing with me for once. Is that right, wrong. Scott? Shag is wrong. <laughs> Everyone together now. I never thought I'd say this, but I'm interested in hearing what Scott said. Whoa. <laughs> I'm out of here. No, I was just saying that I, I kind of got your back on that because while I don't feel it was the least bit necessary, you know, I, I will disagree with what you said about the scene feeling empty until that. 
I mean, I watched the clip and I was like, eh, you know, I don't see what everybody's so worked up about. You know, I, I don't feel like it. Well, you know, because that's not the version of Star Wars you're going to watch or Jedi that you're going to watch anyway when you right, go to watch Jedi. Right. So, it, well, I mean, I've already decided that, you know, the, the whole special edition thing is not for me anyway. I mean, honestly, the only special edition that... You know, if if I slapped in one of the movies to watch and I accidentally put the DVD in for the special edition instead of the original, the only one I would actually go, eh, I, that's okay, I'll do this, is Return of the Jedi. Because for the most part, I like the enhancements that were in there, but my problem with all of the special editions is that I thought he was going in to fix things, oh, not just yeah. to throw shit in what? because he could he had the technology. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because yeah, to me... Yeah. As a fanboy who has literally seen each one of these movies hundreds of times, the the flaws jump out and smack me every time. It's one of those things where now that I've seen them, I can't unsee them. And it's like, damn it, George, why didn't you fix the little things like me being able to see Darth Vader's lightsaber before he activates it in the carbon freezing chamber, yet you'll go in and you'll throw in Rontos. I just don't get that, you know? I would really rather that be the special editions, I, is is tweaking and fixing. Yeah, exactly. That sort I can't, of I can't hear the word Rontos without thinking, for some reason, of Dr. Evil from the Austin Powers going, Rontos. I, uh, <laughs> I, I gotta say this Rontos. again. Han didn't shoot first. Han shot only. Yes. He's shot the one only that, and that, last. I only mean, shot Han or only yeah, Han shot. I, I just, yeah. it, 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 it's, it's become this like real sticking point with me when everyone's like, Han shot first. And I'm there, I'm, you know, I have the solidarity because I agree that it, not only was it a dumb decision you're, to make, it was a horribly splitting semantic hairs because you can but yeah Sean, Han did shoot up you're, you're going into the absolutist you know the you, you would be like a bible thumping Christian going listen the original trilogy Han shot only but then you had you know they're trying to they're trying to say Han shot first to supersede the Greedo shot first version so but but, but it takes away completely from how badass that scene was mm-hmm. because it showed how us badass that, han was yeah th- this this guy will freaking blow you away if he feels like he, he's threatened yeah i mean yeah well han yeah, coldly was, sized it up as yeah. it's greedo or me and guess who's gonna i mean it's i love be. that it undoes the whole bit when when he comes flying in the falcon and makes a save because it's the idea is yeah. you know it's like well i gotta watch out for my own neck this ain't my fight kid no, I just, I just. Now it's like, oh well. Now I'm pragmatic. You know, I'm, I'm willing to let this guy miss me at point blank range before I shoot him. In the, in the, <laughs> I'll, I'll give yeah. him the first shot of a, of a, of a light speed Laser. weapon. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, move my not... head a, a millimeter. Yeah, that, yeah. That's just they so do it in sloppy. Star Trek. So what the hell? <laughs> what, but, I, I want to hear what Michael's trying to say here. Sorry. But I mean, he's he's distracting Greedo through the entire scene. He's got you know while he's reaching one hand under the table to unfasten the blaster, he's got the other hand above him, kind of moving a little bit, like Tweedly look over here, around, yeah. look over here. It's like I don't have it with me. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, just that entire scene is so awesome. So that I'll that's why I, I'm such a Bible thumping Christian <laughs> Star Wars fan, fundamentalist Star Wars fan. 
fundamentalist Star Wars fan. Yeah, that's Scott. Scott and I are like the Westboro Baptist Church of Star Wars fans. <laughs> we were what? there at the beginning. You, you, you guys go and uh, and uh, picket like rebel funerals and stuff. You know. Just... <laughs> oh my. <laughs> The, Often they, they would, yeah. The Force, the hates, force hates Rontos. <laughs> Oops, sorry. Yeah, sorry. that's what. Yeah. Sorry. And then we sue people who punch us. <laughs> All right, so let's see. This, I think, this actually, this whole thing sprung out of Luke. Jack and Eddie's response, but Hair Metal Hero, what do you? What was your your big blasting moments and and plummeting disappointments of Return of the Jedi? Is that one good? Yeah, that that works. Plummeting, yeah. Uh, there's some there is some plummeting at the end, right down a reactor shaft. That's uh, true. <laughs> if there is a down in space. Well, you know, if there's gravity, there's down. Um, I love all the stuff in Jabba's Palace as well. Um, I'm a sucker for the the Whoa. daring. No sucker, sucker for the daring do, and uh, there's a lot of daring do in that scene. And how can you not like that? It's the whole gang back together, and uh, you know they got to save Lando's ass. You know, a little higher, just a little higher. Come on, every bit of <laughs> that is hilarious. You know, you can see a lot better now. Um, <laughs> I mean, there's some great dialogue during that scene too. I love every bit of that. I love, I love how badass Luke is when he comes in. He's just like, "I'm taking my friends back, bitch," and Can't I'm dressed in black. Yeah. Absolutely, he's the Johnny Cash of the Star Wars universe. And he's well, awesome. you wonder why I always dress in black. Why you never see bright colors on my back? Awesome. He's the ACDC of. No, 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 no. Dengar is the Johnny Cash of the Star Wars. <laughs> he is. He is. Dengar. What, what, mummy Cyborg. Mummy Cyborg Johnny Cash. Oh, he just looks like he doesn't want to have to worry about finding toilet paper in outer space. Fuck him. <laughs> just to watch him die. I'm stuck in the outer rim. Time keeps dragging by. Oh, Wilbur, <laughs> I, that's that's how, that's the that's the key to doing a bad Johnny Cash impression is just pretend you're Mr. Ed. Oh Christ! I'm stuck in Folsom Prison and time keeps dragging on. Oh, Wilbur, when the hand comes around, <laughs> when the hand comes around from the vet. Oh! But uh Oh, they're putting um, it on the internet. <laughs> uh I'm also a sucker for the Ewoks. I love those furry bastards. Uh they're adorable and uh, I mean who doesn't like to see guerrilla warfare, you know? It's it's such a simple cliche of seeing the the non-technologically advanced race beat up on the the big bad guys, but it works. I think it works well. Plus, you know, you get all those awesome Imperial moments, you know, rebel scum and send three squads to help and all that shit. It's just, it's hilarious. I love it. I mean, is it, is it childish? Yeah, to a certain degree. You know, but I mean, this one's got the best Muppets in it, too. I mean, the Max Rebo band is awesome. Awesome. I mean, the Rebo band even... is damn awesome. Yes, they are. I mean, you got a snuffle up against looking blue thing and a elephant. 
Yeah. Yeah, and then you get, you know, a guy with no eyes. It just looks like he smoked way too much weed. And then you get... And you get, it's like, a the band, hot... man, of course. It's and the then the you get, like... And then it's, it's the Muppet it's like... Band. They escape from the pocket universe. Exactly. <laughs> but then it's like, then you get, you know, like, like Cy Snoodles is like, she's like the Tina Turner of the Star Wars universe. You see her shaking her ass. She's awesome. It's awesome. And, I love and all that. Just um, to the and side is... Fib no... Fortuna backhanding her after the... <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> Where's the money at? And let's Bip not Fortuna. forget... Let's Ike not Turner forget. the Star Wars universe. Ike Turner, yes. <laughs> <laughs> he uses the phone book to Peter. Oh, Jesus. But, uh, I mean, oh, look. Return of the Jedi also gives us before Total Recall in three-breasted women, Return of the Jedi gave us a six-breasted woman. Yeah, okay. save it for the next episode that has boobies in it. Oh, that's, boobies, that's okay. That's what we're saving the boobies for. Dude. Now, something that hasn't been mentioned is <laughs> the Emperor. The Emperor is fucking awesome. He is oh, awesome. Yeah. He's like... Uh, yeah, you get to see so... shit up. Yeah, it, 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 I mean, as a kid, I thought he was creepy. I still I do. I mean, he's halfway between like, yeah, he's halfway between like a pedophile and like, you know, a vampire. It's awesome. <laughs> a vampirephile. <laughs> a pedophile. And it's just, you want this, don't you? I mean, it's so. I mean, sexually he uses, charged. He, well, he uses his whole lips to talk. Yeah. He does the total yeah. evil over. Something, something, something. Oh, God. Yeah. God See, I, damn I'm... it. What? Going this whole family episode guy. without Family Guy. <laughs> Wasn't me. We thought we might be able to get away with it, and you wouldn't know what we were talking about. Sorry, I know man. what you're talking about. Actually, Scott, I, I thought you just muted when, when the rest of us were talking. That's why I busted it out. I figured you wouldn't give a crap because you weren't involved. No, you can use that shit to smoke Scott out when he's muted. <laughs> it's like going up to the beehive and hitting it with the smoke puffer. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, but like, I mean, we've already said it. The music is great. the The special effects are great. The it has the best space battle. It's got Admiral friggin' Akbar. Oh yeah, it's a trap. It, it is a trap. It's a trap with how awesome it is. It traps you into yeah. watching it whenever it's on because it's so good. It, it's got. I mean, you know, the action adventure part of it is great. And if we're looking at Star Wars as Darth Vader's story slash Luke's story, I mean, that's the basic through line. I think it ends, you know, the way it needs to end with the two of them beating the shit out of there. And, you know, Luke's doing what he's got to do and Vader's doing what he's got to do. And it ends in a very satisfying manner. Yeah. Plus, Lando gets some more screen time. Blows up the Death Star. Yep. And should I... Lando have died? That's that's a question for the group. No. You're going to kill the one black guy in Star Wars? Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and the black guy made it through, too. If anybody well, should have died, it should have been hot. Should, yeah, should yes. some, I guess I should have said, should someone have died? Because... That uh, was always one of those I things. I think he should have listened to Harrison bit. Ford. Yeah, because there was there's such parallels between this movie and and the first movie, you know, especially with the whole Death Star thing and everything. But I remember one of the common things I used to hear a lot after you know when this movie was first out and starting to get you know the uh, 
reviews from the critics and all is they kept calling it a, a Disney ending to the film, which always, even back then, used to bug me a little bit. And it still kind of bugs me today. But I can see what they're talking about because it, it is a little... No, it's not a little. It's actually a lot lighter in tone than, say, like the first movie. I think that's one of the reasons why George went back and did the whole thing with Greedo shooting first was to, was to try to maybe lighten up the first Star Wars, make Han not quite, you know, so much the space cowboy in that scene and everything, because by the time you get to Jedi, it is a lot lighter movie in, in some aspects. It's not near as gritty or violent in some aspects. Well, the and thing is, it's got all its darkness just condensed into the scene with Luke and the Emperor and right. Vader. That right. that scene is pretty intense for like kids watching it. Yeah. But I mean, so you I think he lightened the up the movie. edges around it. Yes, it's, it's really it's that scene, and then the one I'd forgotten to mention that I absolutely love when when Luke surrenders on the moon of Endor. Yeah, that's intense. Yeah. Just yeah. just Luke yeah. and Vader both walking with their hands behind their back, you know, just talking, and there's Luke no action. No, oh, but he, no, it doesn't, doesn't Vader take the blinders off? Oh, him? yeah, but he I, wives his hand. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, just there's no action at all in that scene, but the it's intense just to watching, and that that's well, dark. It's, yeah, it's well, the fact that Luke and Darth Vader are together and not with their I, lightsabers drawn after, battling. Time, yeah, after the last one, they saw each other in Empire where they tried to kill each other. And now I, I, Return of the Jedi. Return of the Jedi had the right ending. I, I, as much as I think it would have been interesting to see Lando or Han die... Having them survive was the right ending for the trilogy. You needed that trilogy to end on an up note. You did not need mm -hmm. the trilogy to end on a down note. If you wanted your death, you just had to look to, to the fact that Anakin died. You know, you, Vader, while he was evil, he turned to the right side at the end, and then he dies, and you get his emotional funeral. So I, I, think, they, I think they did it right the first time around. But, you know, I, I think, though, at that point, there was, there was no... I, I whatever no no matter what George Lucas says there was probably no plan to tell the Anakin story so that I mean that wasn't you know intent in I mean now you can look at it that way but when it first came out it's like and 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 I don't get me wrong I would hate to see Han Solo die but it would be a you know he he was just like there's nothing for my character to do but sacrifice himself and i heard that and i'm like you know he's absolutely right it would be the best thing i would think for the story mm. and and it might not be the best thing for the little kids who'd be really upset that han solo died at the well, end but you know it would be a heroic death you know well, what, what does that leave leia with then she, she's lost her planet she just found out the dark lord of the sith is her dad and then she loses her boyfriend. Uh, Lando, obviously. <laughs> no, what, what? No, what? Well, Lando would Lando would be moving in. Lando would be moving in. But who is it always that picks up afterwards? The best friend. Move yeah, yeah. yeah. Chewie. That's what I'm saying. They're gonna sleep on a. Wait, wait. You mean Luke? No, Chewie. It would be Chewie. Okay. Okay. Chewie would be the closest thing. It would be the closest thing for at least they would hook up like in a rebound sort of thing because he would be the closest thing to Han and they could afterwards she could be rubbing her his... out like a Thanksgiving yes. turkey. She... Exactly. Exactly. Uh, uh, you don't think she's down for that? 
Come wait, on. Wait, She's wait, a spunky no, princess. Hold on, you know? They would be, you know, the pillow talk afterwards, they could all be like, yeah, remember when Han would blah, blah, blah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Hey, wait a minute, Chris. Didn't you cover this on the media masochist about Leia and Chewie yeah, hooking up? Not, don't, don't remind us. That was... All conversations lead to that if oh, you no. talk with me long enough. That was awful. All roads lead to... To Wookiee porn, yeah. Great. Yeah, Mala. Mala. No. <laughs> no, on, My on, Mala. On that one, uh, telling off uh, fan favorite characters, one, one you all think the mountain, Boba Fett went out. Uh, Boba Fett's a bitch, I will say it. He's a fucking lame character. It That was disappointing even as a kid. He's not a lame that character. Was... He just went out like a bitch in this movie. Yeah, mm-hmm. thus proving he's a yeah. bitch. No, it proves the script was a bitch, or the director was a bitch. Well, he's well, a minor actually, character that has a cool costume. That's his whole I, appeal, I, I, right actually, there. Actually, you I know remember, what? There's a lot to be said for that. Uh, well, I, I actually remember reading something that the reason, supposedly, that Lucas had him sort of go out like that is he wasn't supposed to be a real Mandalorian. He was supposed to be a poser, and then when he had supposedly was at various times we were supposed to do the prequels, we were supposed to see what the real Mandalorians were. You know, the guys that could take on three Jedis by themselves. And him going out like a puncture so that he was a poser. He wasn't a real Mandalorian. Well, you know, fandom, you know, kinda you know, took that away from George. So that's why he had to sort of shoehorn all the origin stuff in the prequels. And honestly he did I don't I don't buy that shit. I think George thought it was funny. George was all about the humor and the family stuff by then. Well he doesn't he doesn't like Boba Fett, I get the feeling. He doesn't like the fact that Boba Fett became successful. You know, in terms I don't of like not- Boba Fett, and I'm going to kill him. <laughs> I don't like that people rooted for a bad guy. You know, uh-huh. me and my, me and my neck disagree completely with that philosophy. Make <laughs> <laughs> shin and my neck merge. The one. Mike, the neck, the neck took over. Your Go ahead. It would be funny if we if we killed him like a bitch. So. <laughs> <laughs> he did. He's a giant pussy that fell into a huge vagina. Yeah, but he got out. He's the only guy to get out. He didn't out. get out. Where did he? No, nah, don't go EU on The official on, man. canon. Hey, Dude. hey, he got out. EU, EU is EU. so good. Yeah. Hey. Plus, plus a certain director wants you to go? make that movie. You want to go? Make that movie. I read the books too. I there, hey. guys. Which books? You read Kevin J. Anderson? Then you wasted your time oh, and your God. money. I read the Thrawn trilogy. It was eh. Uh, You're eh. awesome. I like that yeah. comeback. Yeah. <laughs> Forget about it. Like, exactly. <laughs> I mean, hey, I, you was... guys, guys, slow down. I'm really having a hard time keeping up with this intellectual conversation here. Yeah. My notes, <laughs> I can't take notes fast enough. There's nothing intellectual going on right now. <laughs> it's, a, it's a dick swinging contest about the EU. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, the reek is in turmoil. I'm thankful for the EU because it's kept Star Wars going, but most of it to me is just, yeah, whatever. It sort of relates back to the point if they had killed off Han, they wouldn't, most of the EU story would never have happened because it focuses on his and Leia's kids. And, you know, I don't necessarily think Lando and Leia's kids or Chewbacca and his kids would have been as interesting. Chewbacca, Chewbacca and Leia's kids, kids, yeah, that would have been cool. Pretty damn interesting, man. <laughs> I'd like to see that. Hello, I, I, I'm not going to see, see them going off by Lando's kids. That could be interesting in a uh, sort of uh, trying to try uh, knock down some taboos kind of way. 
Well, you know, I, I, I just thought of it, but if anybody's seen a picture of Scott Gardner with his shirt off, you might start getting a sort of ballpark guess at, uh, at, at what we're looking at with a Wookiee-human hybrid. <laughs> I'm sorry, I kid. It's more like a gorilla, actually, if, wow. if you want to be like really taxonomically correct, if I use the right three dollar word well did we get so, everybody I, I don't i think we stalled out in the uh yeah, in the round robin no. yeah, nobody really wants to hear me know. anyway do you i'll try and blast you mine real quick here chris um overall when i saw the film i was completely overwhelmed uh at the end of it i just kind of sat there like you do at the end of an amazing roller coaster ride where you're just trying to catch your breath and get your senses back you're like what the hell just happened to me that's how i felt at the end of the movie um, and, and once I started reflecting on it and saw it a few times, I, there were certain things that jumped out at me. For example, like we've all talked a little bit here about Jedi Rock and how annoying it was in the in the special editions. I gotta say, and I'm, I think I'm gonna break Luke's heart, but I was annoyed at the musical number the first time around. No, uh, sorry, I thought those Muppets looked particularly bad in that in the of the band, the Max Rebo band. I was particularly disappointed in those. Oh. Then the introduction of the second Death Star, you know, Death Star 2, Electric Boogaloo, that smacked me as being really weak story writing. I just couldn't believe that. I, I was sitting there, even as a kid, I mean, it was, what, 83? So yeah, I was me all too. Old, I agree. I was all of 11, and I used to play with all my toys, and maybe it's just because I had the Death Star playset. I don't know. But I had brought the Death Star back so many times in my adventures, and here I was all of 11, you know, getting to ideas before George – and I was like, wow, that's just weak. Um, most of all, though, I was disappointed in the Ewoks. I remember, and I don't mean to touch on the merchandising too much, but before the film, I'd gotten some of the action figures, and they had the Ewok part of the, you know, on the back of the card, they'd always advertise other toys coming out. The Ewok was always blacked out. It had like a black, I don't know, airbrush little spot where you couldn't see the Ewok. You knew it was there. But uh, so I was like, ooh, what's this? What's this cool? And then I saw it was fucking teddy bears i'm like you're kidding me <laughs> seriously and again i'm all of 11 years old and i'm pissed now things i loved i loved the space battle i still think that space battle is the best out of i don't want to say any science fiction film ever but one of the best like i watched revenge of the sith and there's too much shit going on in the space battle there but when you watch return of the jedi it's just balanced just right it's incredibly intense very action oriented it's great the lightsaber battle of course is amazing mike's absolutely right the chorus that came up during the lightsaber fight is is just astonishing you're just totally riveted during that the music throughout the film is phenomenal and i will give one nod to the special editions while i'm not happy with them fiddling and adding stuff I do think the ending of Return of the Jedi, where they do sort of the panning to different places in the galaxy and playing that song, is really powerful. I really dig I miss, that. I miss Yup Yup. I like. I yup. love really? the. I love the piece that Williams wrote. I just like Yup Yup better. <laughs> I, I think the thing with Yup Yup though is, for, God, fourteen years, the ending part of Yup Yup going into the Star Wars reprise was seared into my brain. It's <laughs> okay. like I can't I can't hear one without the other. It's like, you know, I hear the big choral thing and then dun 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 dun. So, I think that's what's the big disappointment. I agree with you. Showing 
every, you know, like all the different worlds, you know, celebrating at the death of the emperor because apparently, you know, they fucking tweeted about it or something. <laughs> uh, of space not, tweeted. Of hashtag hashtag Palpatine is dead. <laughs> so, I, you know, I, you know, I agree with you, but, but that music, it just, it just isn't, it doesn't have a celebratory the celebratory nature that Yub Yub has to me. It's I don't know. Like everyone's getting happy now. It has incredibly uplifting <laughs> sense to me. I, I think the musical piece is amazing. So it is. I'm not saying it's a bad musical piece. I'm just saying I prefer Yub Yub. I, I get that. No, I mean, there's a lot to be said for Yub Yub. Yub is fun. I love the playing uh, the drums on the helmets. That's phenomenal. Yub Yub. Yes, we know Scott. Uh, <laughs> two other funny little points I think is that. As a kid, I was totally wrong in what I wanted and expected out of this film and what I got. I like, I totally didn't want Vader to be Luke's dad. I totally thought it was a smokescreen. And then I totally wanted Luke to end up with Leia. So when I found out they're brother yeah. and sister, I'm like, oh, that's nasty. Oh, uh, you always got Game of Thrones. <laughs> <laughs> and I'll leave this by saying, for years, this was my least favorite one of the trilogy. Um, until probably about 1992 when I started playing the role-playing game. And if you've ever played any role-playing games at all, you'll realize that Return of the Jedi was, like, written from a role-playing game adventure. It, it's just so much happens that's so role-playing game style that it just fits perfectly. It's literally like some guys were sitting around playing the Star Wars role-playing game and someone was taking notes, and that's where the movie came from. It it feels that way. So now it's uh it now it's my second favorite behind Empire Strikes Back. Pretty close behind Empire Strikes Back even. And that's very interesting. That's Return of the Jedi for Shaq. I think Sean was the other was the other one we skipped on our on our uh Well, I I'll probably say a lot of people pointed out some of the things that I thought exceeded, like the space battle is still the most awesome, especially Lando figuring out that wait, the shields aren't down. You know, about fighting, you know, Admiral Akbar remembering the infamous line, it's a trap and all that. Um, the speeder chase is great, you know, it was awesome as a kid, you know, every, you know, I, you know, would run around trying to do that, um, and occasionally running into trees. <coughs> but, um, I mean, my disappointments mostly come from, I know everybody's saying it's the great lightsaber fight, uh, I still think the one in Empire is better. Um, I, I think it was much, you know, much more exciting in Empire than it was in Jedi. I, you know, I do like Luke getting pissed off and sort of just beating Vader down, but I got the feeling that Vader just was not, he was not as intimidating in that fight as he had been in previous ones. It just like a lot of the things that, you know, like you were, you, you never got the sense that Luke wasn't winning that fight really. You know, Vader might've been, oh, he might have the upper hand for now, but Luke was winning. And it's, it kind of takes me out of that fight, you know. I mean, granted, the end of it saved by the fact, you know, then the Palpatine says, "So be it, Jedi," and starts frying Luke because he's an idiot and throws away his lightsaber. Why would you throw away your weapon? Hmm? Ne I never got why he throws away his lightsaber, you know, when he sees the Emperor coming towards him. You know, I get his it. His battery's you know, dead. <laughs> yeah, he shook it. Didn't you see him sort of shake it and go, oh, "God damn it." No more NICADs. No more rechargeables, damn it. I'm never listening to Chewbacca again. <laughs> but, I mean, it's, you know, and I just, I mean, my disappointment really, I, I'm not a big fan of that final battle between uh, Luke and Vader. Uh, it just, 
it's cool, but it's not as cool as other fights are, you know. Um, and I mean, honest and beyond that, I mean, I I loved the movie when I was a kid. I loved Guerrilla Warfare with the Ewoks. You know, I, I I like the fact that they try different things. You see them try to try to trip a walker and it doesn't work. Then they start going, you know what? Let's start using these big trees we have to start crushing them. You know, and you know them, them simply using numbers against the stormtroopers who weren't. You know, they're normally used to just walking in and shooting people. Well, these guys were hiding. Can't shoot something you can't see, I guess. But um, I mean, it it was never my favorite of the original trilogies. But as I've gotten older, I sort of rank it. I rank it a little higher than the original New Hope, mostly because I do like the ending. I do like Luke and Leia. Not I. I'm always I'm a Han and Leia fanboy, you know, for the rest of my life. You know, I ship them forever because Empire did such a good job of setting them up as a, a couple. You know, but I mean, overall, I like the movie. It's not my favorite. Um, it's not my least favorite. You know, I reserve that venom for uh, for uh, the prequels, but. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I'm rambling. Uh, yeah, so that's pretty much me. <laughs> you, you know, it, it's interesting because Ewoks are, are, are so divisive amongst Star Wars fans. I don't really hate them, but it really hit me when I saw the re-release in 1997 why I don't like the Ewoks. And it has nothing to do with the fact that they're cute and cuddly and, look, Leia's making friends with, with Wicked. Isn't, oh, and they're going to burn everybody. Isn't that cute? Animals. It, it's it's <laughs> more of the, of the fact that we had spent two and a half movies following a certain number of characters. Lando came in during Empire... But basically, the heroes of the piece were Luke, Leia, Han, Chewbacca, and to a lesser extent, 3PO and R2-D2. These were the guys that I wanted to carry the day. And the turning point for the Rebels winning the war were freaking Ewoks. And that just bugs me. It's just like, yeah, okay, I'm showing that you know the 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 unsophisticated civilization can bring down the big bad technologically advanced people. That's great, George. But you know, you were thinking with your marketing hat when you came up with the Ewoks. Let's be fair here. You were. Uh, Peter David tells a story that. Uh, he saw a screening of Return of the Jedi with a bunch of marketing people from Marvel and, and, and Lucasfilm. And one guy was sitting in the audience, like, seeing all the set pieces and going, Ewok playset, $14.95. Wicket action figure, you know, whatever action figures were at the time. So it just it just bugs the crud out of me that that these are these are the heroes of the piece when it's just like no I wanted to see Han figure out a way to bring down the Empire not that the you know that I, I guess it's okay that that Chewbacca took over one of the 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 two leg I can never remember what they're called the two legged adats um, ATSDs yeah thank you. Uh, you know, and that's kind of funny that, you know, like, you know, it's like, oh, my God, it's coming to shoot us. Oh, it's Chewbacca. <laughs> oh, that wacky wookie. Um, but really, it's it's the fact that the Ewoks were there that turned the tide. And that's just I just hate that. See, to me, it's always I've always seen it as the stuff on Endor. That's the distraction. The downfall of the Empire is Luke and Vader killing the Emperor. And I'm going to yeah. say this to the to the Ewok to the Ewok haters. 
I'm going to go back to a quote from one of our first two True Freaks guests ever, Sean Rosado, um, and say, Ewoks eat humans. Yep. They eat humans. They were getting ready to eat Han. Mm-mm. Oh, yeah. They're, that's pretty... That's, that's, they, they may be teddy bears, but they will eat you. They will pull your they will pull your head off your body and use it for a drum in a happy song. Yeah. That's yeah. something that happens yeah. in like a gangster movie. It's just like, oh, oh, uh, oh, you have a problem with my plan now. Oh, hey, you know, that's pretty badass, man. After after this episode comes out, I open the door and there's a bunch of Ewoks at the front door going, we want to fucking talk to you. Yeah. Yep, yep. We do not like how you are portraying us in, in your podcast, Mr. Bailey. We, would, we wish to discuss this with you. You know what I like? Baseball. <laughs> You know, Chris, to your point, I think that's why Luke burns Vader in the pyre, so that the Ewoks couldn't get his fucking head and play it like a drum. They, uh, or, or chow down on him. They're just like, hey, uh, are, are you saving that guy over there? You know, you know, are you finished with that? Because uh, Junior here's still hungry after dinner. <laughs> we hear he's powerful with the Force, if you, you know, yum yum. Yub yub. <laughs> That's what yub yub means. It means yum yum. Human heads off. There actually is a translation for yub yub. We play yub those fuckers like drums. Power. We got We've the got power. power. And then Thank we you, eat your corpse. Oh, yes, we eat your corpse. Oh. Yum yum. <laughs> wait, 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 wait. So you're telling me that the yub nub song is actually the theme to the electric company? Oh, no. <laughs> yes. Yes. That's exactly, <laughs> exactly what I was telling you. <laughs> I I'm glad that you and I are on the same wavelength, brother. Yes. <laughs> oh geez, before somebody references Spidey Super Stories, I'm gonna take it I'm gonna we we're gonna have to lightning round through everybody's final thoughts. So, so Hero, what's your final furry thoughts on Re- Return of the Jedi? Arts, no. Great action, <laughs> uh, great special effects, awesome Muppets, badass Luke, Ewoks, Akbar. What's not to like, man? Enjoy it. It's it's a it's a good it's a good conclusion to a, a really fun fun and wonderful set of films. Oh, I had an awesome burp coming that would have been very satisfying and been like, you know, a Saudi Arabian toast of <laughs> of the excellence of what you just said. Yavo. But anyway, opportunity lost. Luke, what what are your final thoughts? Jedi is always been my favorite uh, my favorite Star Wars movie. It's at this rate always going to be my favorite Star Wars movie. I think it's got uh, great action, like Hero said. It's got great new characters, great old characters, great effects. Uh, I love the story. I love the whole father and son dynamic of it. I love the Emperor. Great movie. If you haven't watched it in a while, throw it in and just enjoy it for what it is and have a blast. Steve Rogers, you're next. Oh, Empire is always going to be my favorite, but this is definitely uh, right up there. And it's a uh, satisfying conclusion to uh, what I consider 
is second greatest trilogy in the history of cinema. I agree with, and I and and that's that's one thing I've I I I was thinking of mentioning earlier, but then I forgot of thinking of it, and I never mentioned it. Is, is and somebody and so, several other people have mentioned the word satisfying. When you have something like that with all that anticipation, it's hard to make to end something like that satisfying. True. And 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 f- usually stuff that builds up like that usually at the end of it. It's usually sort of a letdown, and and Jedi definitely did did not let you down. There might have been parts that like got people down, but by but it did have a satisfying, you know, cathartic conclusion that actually worked. And yeah, well, you have two. The, iconic latest films in the history of cinema were the you know, first two and then you have Godfather Part 3. Uh, I don't know. Yeah. I don't... I, uh, I put back it's funny when I hear trilogy. when I hear when I hear the like initial like when some disagree with someone goes ah it's fun when my eyes just try to scan the screen it's like who is it I always go to Shag first I'm like is that I, Shag? I mean, I mean I'm a I'm a huge Godfather fan like I'm I'm the, one of those guys who bought the official sequel books they authorized a few years ago um, but I mean I would probably put the, I mean the first two Godfathers are great movies but Third one, I I would definitely I would I would I would argue that Jedi alone puts the Star Wars trilogy above the Godfather trilogy. You know, that's that's just because it, as a, it's a, as a trilogy. As well, a trilogy. Not... I mean, and you also got to remember the Godfather Part Three wasn't supposed to be called the Godfather Part Three. It wasn't supposed, it was supposed to be called the Death of Michael Corleone. But the studio said, "Dude, you you can't call the film the Death of Michael Corleone." It was an epilogue, if it was, it was, it was, if anything, you know. I mean, it's, I don't know. I just, I, I, I would probably put Back to the Future a little bit higher in terms of greatest trilogies in using The Godfather. Not that The Godfathers are a bad movies. You know, the first two are brilliant, but it's just, it's, it's using that, it's the trilogy word that sort of bugs me there. So, you know, but I could be wrong. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm just going to thank everybody for not throwing the Matrix into the <laughs> trilogy no. battle. No. 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 No, 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 no. And, of course, I do it while thanking everybody else for not doing it. All right, Josh Baker. I think that um, that uh, Return of the Jedi is a, is a fine piece of cinema. And um, it, uh, I think it might get the, um, the rap of being – too much for the kiddies with the Ewoks and and stuff like that and uh, but I think that uh, I think that you can you can pop it in anytime give it a watching and it'll take you back to the first time that you've seen it and you'll put you'll put all of the um, uh, looking back on things uh, with nitpicking um, as your mindset and that'll put it all to rest and and uh, like I can I can watch it with my kids any day of the week, and uh, they'll love it every time, and I'll love it every time, and I don't I don't think that'll ever go away. So, you know, it's a trap. 
<laughs> a big old lobster trap of entertainment. All right, Michael Bailey, you're the last one on the on the list. Michael Bailey gets the last word. I'm sure Scott and I'll have something to say at the end, though. Um, despite my you know nitpicks with the film, I, I really do like Jedi. Uh, I I can't. I always kind of rank the films uh, in terms of favorite to least favorite. Uh, Empire, Star Wars, Jedi. And uh, though recently listening to certain commentaries has changed my mind about episode two, so I don't know where to rank that anymore. But, um, you know, Jedi, it's a fantastic end to the story, uh, to the original trilogy and then to the the six-part story as well. I I always get a little sad at the end of, of Jedi because, you know... You know, when you get to the end of Revenge of the Sith, you're like, well, I got three more movies to watch. When you get to the end of this, you're like, wow, I got to go track down a shit ton of novels and comics. And it it, it just doesn't feel the same. Uh, so I, I love the movie. And it has, as far as the ending bits of music, uh, my favorite. Because in the first two films, Williams, when he closes out the score... You know, there's you know, there's kind of an epic feel to this. In Jedi, it actually feels like he's closing out the series, like it has just a little bit more emotion to it. Uh, I don't know if Scott will agree with me on that or not, or Chris, because you guys are two big score guys. Oh yeah, I, I know exactly the part you're talking about. Yeah, uh-huh. it does. It does. So, um, but no, I love Jedi. Uh, I, I will I will complain about certain aspects of it, but I love the film. Yeah, I'll 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 give a short summation and then I'll hand it over to Scott Gardner to to finish off the show. But I think Jedi has gotten over the years that ra- the rap of the weakest of the trilogy. But when it came out, I it didn't really the critics were pretty positive about it. It got a pretty good critical response. It wasn't until like after it had settled in and maybe it was the fact that maybe there were possibly going to be no more star Wars movies and people were a little angry and it's, and it started getting picked, picked apart because there were moments of disappointment in it of like, Oh, second death star. uh." But I did, I walked out of that movie, you know, five feet up in the air, just going, blah, 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 blah. blah," And like, you know, counting the days till I was going to see it again. So, you know, and when I rank the Star Wars movies, you know, I mean, Star Wars will always be my favorite because it was just it's it's like the Beatles. You know, it's like a cultural phenomena happening where people mark movie time in like blockbusters, you know, Jaws and Star Wars are sort of like this turning point in that. So it and then and then Empire would be my second favorite and then Jedi. But they're so close together that it almost it's it's almost nitpicky for me to say which one I like, you know, better. It's all just based on emotional response. But yeah, I love I love Return of the Jedi and, you know, I watched it I watched it again for, you know, to refresh up for this show and I will probably watch it again and then I will watch it a third time to do our our com- audio commentary over it and I you know, I won't be bored for a second. You know, I, I I could just watch it over like any of the original trilogy, and pretty much the 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 new trilogy. 
I can pretty much flip them on at any time and, and just start watching them. I'll put it on in the background and then I'll get sucked in. So, so Scott, it's all yeah. you, baby. Ah, Return of the Jedi. It sounds like a good movie. I'm going to have to watch it one of these days. <laughs> no, I, I don't know. I mean, what, what, what really can I say? Um, you know, d despite any qualms I might have with it, despite any shortcomings I might feel like the movie has, I mean, I would rather sit and watch any one of the Star Wars movies above and beyond anything else, you know, any other movie that there is. So I think that alone, you know, speaks quite a, you know, quite highly. E even Superman the movie, Scott? Um, Possibly. Possibly. <laughs> I mean, you know, because the Star Wars movies are, they're in a class of their own. You know what I mean? Um, they've they've gone so far beyond being simply just movies. Um, but Jedi, I I don't know. I'm 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 looking forward to when we get to uh, to our commentary to where we can really delve in and go, you know, literally scene by scene about you know the things we like, the things we don't like. But you know, just in a, in a quick summation for the you know for the sake of brevity i i love the movie you know i really i really enjoy it a lot you know warts and all i think it's a i think it's a fine film and uh for the most part i think it was a pretty good wrap-up to the to the original trilogy and and still a good wrap-up to the saga as a whole amen amen well just on a final note i'd like to thank all our guests even the irredeemable shag and Sean Foster, <laughs> Darren Is he Sims, the D-Man who's not not with us currently, the hair metal hero, Luke Jackanetti, Steve Rogers, Josh Baker. Sorry for taking uh, quite a break. My my daughter got sick. I'm sorry. And thanks to Sean Foster, whose who's daughter got sick. Are you saying she was vomiting? Oh, no, she just has a, a chest cold. And uh, she, she woke up and was uh, cranky. My wife was with her. I'm uh, always looking for I'm always looking for projectile vomit stories during shows, so I'm always always got the eye out. And of course, uh, I'll see what I can do. Of course, Michael Bailey, we we thank you for being on the show, and Jonathan Kreitz, who is also no longer with us, who jettisoned out, and we ignored him. It was it was probably just a malfunctioning escape pod. <laughs> so luckily. There's no life he was signs. not blasted <laughs> yeah. away. <laughs> well, yeah, There's no that. life signs, so ignore it. Really? Is that what you're going to do? <laughs> Those leaves Stop it. <laughs> you're you're going to piss off Scott. <laughs> that'll, oh, no. be, that, that'll be the name of my book like that I write in 40 years. <laughs> you're going to piss, piss off Scott. Scott. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody gets a peek behind the curtain of uh, the tight control that and in communication that Jesus, Scott and I have over our show. show up already. <laughs> All right, gotta go. <laughs> gotta go, everybody. I gotta go pee-pee. Bye. <laughs> I gotta be boom-boom, and I've been waiting about two hours to do it, so. Hair <laughs> <laughs> Metal Hero makes boom-boom. That's scary. Do you ever find yourself going to Amazon.com 
and uh, buying some record or movie or some stupid thing that two true freaks have been talking about so that you can catch up on it or you've been reminded of it or something. Well, now, how about this? Instead of going to Amazon.com, go to twotruefreaks.libson.com and follow our link to Amazon.com. When you do that, if you buy something over at Amazon, we get a little cut out of it, which is awesome because we love money and it won't cost you a thing. Did you know you can sponsor an episode of this or any other of your favorite Two True Freaks affiliated shows? That's right. Simply click the PayPal link on our website, donate any amount at all, tell us which show you're choosing and what message, if any, you'd like us to read on your behalf, and you will be an official sponsor of that show's very next episode, with your message read in the show's opener. It's that easy, and there is no minimum donation. Be a show sponsor today. Visit our website at twotruefreaks.libson.com. Two True Freaks is always spelled T-W-O-T-R-U-E-F-R-E-A-K-S. Libsyn is spelled L-I-B-S-Y-N. You can email Two True Freaks directly at twotruefreaks at gmail.com. Join our forum at forumforgeeks.com where you can discuss all of the shows on our feed with us and your fellow listeners. You can find Two True Freaks on Facebook. Just search for Two True Freaks. And hey, you can friend me, Scott Gardner, on Facebook too. My name is spelled S-C-O-T-T-G-A-R-D-N-E-R. You can friend me on Facebook too, if you can find me. Now available, Two True Freaks t-shirts. See our website for details. Two True Freaks is a very proud member of the Comics Podcast Network. You can check that out at www.comicspodcast.com, where you can hear our new episodes when we put them up. We are also members of the League of Comic Book Podcasts. For more information, visit comicbooknoise.com league. If you ever leave your house and you actually have friends, why don't you tell them about Two True Freaks? Thanks for listening, and join us every Monday for new episodes of Two True Freaks. Two True Freaks has been brought to you today by Damanzo Corps of Milan, Italy, and by the letters F and U.